welcome back uh, to uh, Mutual Aberration Society. Um, as always, um, I'm Ryan Jackson. Uh, and today, um, I'm going to be talking about a film uh, called Maniac Driver. What can I say about Maniac Driver? Uh, it's a film that contains many things. Uh, nipple trauma, uh, a nude killer in a motorcycle helmet, uh, various uh, giallo aesthetics uh, with a dash of uh, pink ego film. Um, and to talk about this wonderful film, uh, I have a guest, a very uh, special guest, the film's director uh, himself. Uh, uh, Karando Mitsusaki. So, um, first, uh, hello, uh, Mitsusaki-san. <laughs> uh, hello, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, this is wonderful <laughs> opportunity. Thank you. I appreciate. It. I, I'm, I'm glad you you were able to come on. Um, I like to have my guests. Uh, when I start these episodes, I usually just hand the mic over to my guests to do their own sort of introduction for themselves. So, uh. Okay. T tell everyone, uh, the listeners, uh, who you are. Okay. <laughs> um, hi. Uh, well, thank you ha for having me on your show. Uh, my name is Kurando Mitsutake. Uh, I'm a Japanese filmmaker based in LA now. Um, I actually lived in, you know, um, California for uh, almost 30 years now, but uh, uh, originally from Japan, um, you know, got educated, film educated here in the States. And, uh, you know, uh, I've been in the business for about 25 years now, uh, but uh, I've directed uh, six features so far. Um, Monsters Don't Get to Cry was my first feature. Uh, I did it when I was 29. Um, that actually didn't get the uh, American distribution. Um, it was only released in um, Japan and Germany. And uh, then I went on to do uh, next feature, my second feature, Samurai Avenger, The Blind Wolf. Um, that got a uh, pretty, uh, you know, good run on uh, all the worldwide genre film festivals. And uh, uh, I got the American distribution, Japanese distribution, you know, German distribution, all that stuff. Um, then uh, my original American distributor uh, tanked and uh, for Summer Avenger, but uh, uh, nice people at uh, Snaps Films uh, picked it up and uh, it's available on uh, Blu-ray uh, currently here in the States. Um, then I did my third feature, Gun Woman. Uh, I guess Gun Woman kind of uh, put me on the map, so to speak. Uh, Shout Factory uh, picked it up for US and it was kind of a uh, you know, big, big uh, step in my career, that movie. And um, then I was hired to do a martial art movie called Karate Kill. 
And uh, then I did uh, Maniac Driver. Uh, then I went on to do uh, my latest, uh, Lion Girl, uh, which is due to come out sometime next uh, this year and the next year. So th those are my six movies that I've directed. And uh, I guess I'm kind of, not kind of, I guess I'm a full-on genre movie director as uh, now. Yeah. Now. yeah. yeah. Um, I want to, a few things. There's, there's, a, there's a lot. Um, I'm, I did, I think the, so far, obviously I haven't seen Lion Girl because... It hasn't came out yet. Uh, you did tell right. me this is premiering right at a fantastic fest in Australia, right? I, you know, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, I there is uh, another uh, uh, film festival mm. in Europe uh, that was supposed to host the world premiere, but uh, I don't know what's going on with them. They 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 haven't uh, updated their website. I don't know. They might be having some problems. Uh, uh, I don't know. So I, that you know the. Fantastic Film Festival Australia might be our world premiere. Yeah. Uh, they okay. they already announced, uh, you know, uh, us being the uh, closing film of the festival mm -hmm. uh, at the end of April. So I think that's a set in stone one. But, you know, uh, as far as the uh, world premiere goes, I don't know which one will uh, be the host yet. Okay, interesting. Well, I did notice um, when I watched the trailer that it did say, uh, now it mentioned uh, the creator of the manga Devilman. Right. Yes. Um, so is it based on 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 of, of a manga of his or is it is just something original? Is it original? Yeah. OK. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, this uh, amazing, legendary Japanese manga artist, Go Nagai, yeah. uh, you know, who wrote Devilman uh, and uh, Majinger Z, you know, that opened mm. the whole Japanese giant robot genre. Mm -hmm. uh you know he did uh uh you know manga called cutie honey i mean he's yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like a kind yeah, of a, a japanese cultural icon and uh you know i've been i've been a fan of his stuff since i was you know like you know second grade third grade you know I, yeah, obviously yeah. i was too young to read them but i did <laughs> yeah uh, and uh, so it was you know i mean devil man's my you know number one comic book uh to mm. the date so mm. um you know i would love to adapt that to a live action film someday but uh uh yeah we uh, uh this japanese film company called toei video and i teamed up and we pitched several ideas to mr nagai and uh he wasn't too keen on any of the idea but i guess uh my presentation kind of intrigued him and in return um, you know, he, he actually uh, came up with this original character, Lion Girl, mm -hmm. for to be to to be adapted for live action for us. And, uh, and you know, my producer kind of really freaked out, like, wow, you know, Go Nagai did this for mm -hmm. us. I mean, this is the original character. And his his management freaked out, too, because, you know, he didn't come up with, uh, you know, original new characters right. for several years now you know he's he's getting up there he's like 75 74 you know so uh you know he had the super long super successful career in japan but uh um but anyway so he came up with this new care entirely new character for us and uh we adapted in, into a live action film and that's that became lion girl yeah cool well it brings me to a little uh i want i, I definitely want to talk about manga with you a little bit because one of the well, things I noticed is 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 sort of sort of in your movie specifically, there definitely is an influence in manga to the point where like even in Gun Girl, I believe they they say it's like manga. One of the characters talks about this like manga shit, 
and then in uh yeah, yeah gun woman he, yes yeah and then gun and gun 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 woman sorry saying gun girl gun woman but then in and also in maniac driver the movie that we're we're discussing um toward the end of the movie the character says like a, basically says it's like a manga it's just like a manga right. so it's like it's definitely right. uh, uh how how influential was it because from what i know and from what i've looked into and what i've heard you say um is that you lived in you were born in japan and you lived there till you were 17 years old till you moved to the u.s in the 90s right so yep. growing up was like manga a, a, a I mean, clearly you said you was reading <laughs> too. Manga was a big influence. And is it, it is an influence to you in a way uh, that's, I don't know, fundamental to how you like approach filmmaking? Uh, quite possibly. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, manga is, you know, huge in Japan, obviously. And uh, mm -hmm. um, I think when I was growing up in the 80s, you know, uh, I think that was really kind of a, um, you know, manga taking over entire Japanese subculture kind of thing, you know, yeah. like it was, it was a birth of it. And uh, um, yeah. So and originally uh, when I started to kind of think about my future career consciously, mm. um, you know, as a young kid, you know, I was like, uh, I don't know, six, seven, you know, somewhere like that. Mm. Um, I, you know, I just like any other Japanese uh, uh, boys, I guess, uh, you know, I, I wanted to become a comic book artist actually. So, <laughs> You know, I was I was tracing, you know, Go Naga's work and this and that. But uh wanna um, be a mangaka. Then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to be mangaka, yeah. And yeah. uh but you know, I was young, young and stupid, you know. I mean, I'm still stupid, so I was younger and stupid, I guess. Um mm. so uh, one night uh, on my TV, um Steven Spielberg's duel was on TV, yeah. uh, on, on Japanese TV. And uh, when I saw it, I just I just loved it. And it's, you know, it's a super simple and super effective story about just the one guy in the car against the big truck. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I was just so in love with that movie. I was like and I was, you know, like I said, I was stupid. So I was like, wow, you know, movie making uh, is easier than comic book writing mangaka you know like, because you can just get the camera and point you don't have to draw anything so <laughs> so i was like oh man you know i think i'll skip the drawing part and i'll just become a movie director so you know little i knew i mean you know both it's it's both occupations are really hard to get into and yeah, yeah. become successful at but uh you know uh with with the without the uh thinking about all the details i you know from there on i wanted to uh, become a film director right have you noticed um i've noticed this um just because i have i have i don't know you have children as well and i have i have chill i have kids but but beyond just my kids i mean just in general the youth in america there and, and beyond that it's it's not just young people it's people my age people older there is there seems to be this newfound sort of interest in manga to the degree that it has me growing up, I just, it never was like, like anytime you go into a Barnes and Nobles now, there's one guarantee, mm. right? Every time I see it without fail, it doesn't matter how busy the store is or not. There's always going to be people over in the manga section, right? Mm. Every, without fail, every Barnes and Noble I go into, I walk into and the manga section has gotten progressively larger at every Barnes yeah. and Noble. And to the point now where it's like, and then I see kids, young kids really into it. To the point where, like, you know, they know about all all different kinds of manga. Manga, manga. I I'm, I read some manga, but manga. I, like a lot of times, I find out 
about manga through young people that just throw out a random title. And I'm like, oh, you know about that? I'm like, okay, yeah, you know what I mean? So sure. it's, it's very interesting to see sort of uh, given where we're at uh, when it comes to sort of the state of not only this, the media and the culture in terms of like how we consume entertainment and the things that have become sort of like what we view as dinosaurs. Like, it's kind of strange. Like we view sort of the literary world in general and books in general in a way where it's like, oh, like that's like a sort of older, excuse older. But then when you look at manga specifically in the US now, it's like, actually, like, I think that's like probably one of the most consistent sort of sellers uh, that there is. Like, I mean, it's it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I just something that's just, it's just something I noticed. You know what I mean? I don't know right. if, if you've noticed any of that yourself uh, being over yeah. here. I mean, but, but, um, and, and, and I used to, and I do want to talk a little bit. I promise we will talk about maniac driver people. I swear. Uh, <laughs> yes. But um, also um, you living in Los Angeles now, uh, yeah. for those who listen to this podcast already know I lived in LA for a few years. Um, okay. I was out there because of film, like screenwriting, which I've been doing for almost 13 something years. And like uh, now I typically travel to LA um, because it's just financially makes more sense for my life. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? I'm fortunate enough to, to, to have a working relationship with like uh, actor Tyrese Gibson. So most of the times that I've been back to LA have been like when I was working on something specifically with him. Um, but I've been back for other things too. Um, and I, I prefer that even though I was actually born in California, um, oddly enough, I prefer now to sort of like fly into LA and then come back and, you know, and then be out of that bubble. But you right. being sort of born in, born in Japan, but then being here so significant for a certain amount of time. Like I know that this is, again, I did a little research before, before coming having you on. And I do know that you moved back briefly because of yes. family issues, right. With your yeah. father. Um, and yeah. you stayed in Japan for a couple of years before coming back. Um, mm -hmm. I bring that up to ask you like, how is that? Because I do think this influences you as a film, just, just, you know, just as my, me watching your films, uh, you're, you're in the unique position of being a, a legitimate Japanese filmmaker, but also very much an American, like in and of itself, like the fact that we can even have a conversation right now is proof of that. Right. Sure. Like you're, but yeah. it's like, it's not, but it's not one of those situations where you're like a Japanese American born, you know what I mean? Where you're born here. And then, cause, cause I know plenty of, filmmakers who have that sort of background right where they're like yeah i'm not actually from the place but like my family's from there i'm not based but you're legitimately based there and as a filmmaker it does feel like the stuff that i've of, i haven't seen your first movie but i've seen your other ones you know and 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 it does have this unique feel of like oh like this is like a a japanese filmmaker who who also sort of understands uh, sort of America, America in a way that like maybe his his peers don't, you know, because this is because I do watch a lot of like some of my favorite filmmakers like Sh uh, Shinya Sukamoto and and you know like uh, Takashi Miike like people uh, filmmakers like like they, they you watch their films and it's like you get this weird sort of outsider's perspective of the of America which is always interesting, but with your movie specifically it's like you have you have an insider's perspective but you still maintain a lot of that sort of Japanese perspective or sort of our lens. And I don't know, like, if, if 
have you what what do you what do you think of that like am i my touch am i off base with that or <laughs> no no no, no. I, that's that's a very interesting observation mm-hmm. i you know i you know i have a kid and mm-hmm. uh i actually married an american person mm-hmm. and uh and we have one boy but uh um you know i always tell him you know like you know he he makes fun of my accent and whatnot but uh you know so i i tell him like Hey, I'm fresh out of the boat, you know, like immigrant, <laughs> you know, I'm the first generation, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. but I think that's why, um, you know, I kept my cultural heritage as me being Japanese. You know, I was I was there till I was 17. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I speak fluent Japanese. I still read and write Japanese, you know, and all, all my movies, you know, so far, all six of my movies, uh, the money actually came from Japan. And uh, so my my shtick in business was to do a low budget uh, genre movie with Japanese money in L.A. You know, that was that was my um, my shtick. And, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting you mentioned that, you know, uh, since, you know, I I came here alone uh, to study film uh, when I was 17. So, you know, I I, kind of became a teenager, uh, older teenager uh, in Japan. Then I actually became uh, adult in in United States kind of thing. So I, you yeah. know, I, I feel like I, I grew up in two different countries, and uh, I think that that kind of made me a, a, a hybrid filmmaker, if yeah, you would, yeah. uh, that you yeah. described. You know, I think I think that's that's who I am. Yeah, and it, it, I feel like because in a way you've you got to come of age right in Japan. Yeah, and then you yeah. got to like sort of have that second sort of like I feel like in, in life. You know, there's always the young coming of age, and then there's the second period once you're a little bit older. You know, and it feels sure, like yeah. you got to have those in different, completely different places, and yeah. so it kind of gives you this interesting perspective that I just don't see very often um, when it comes to uh, just filmmake filmmakers specifically. Because right. I, I definitely felt that when I watched when I watched Maniac Driver, um, I was like, yo, this is like this this is more it is a pink film first but it's also like it has these giallo aesthetics but it's like it's it's like this weird sort of like it's like okay if a japanese person was to interpret a giallo film like i kind of believe like regardless of the pink elements aside, which which is clearly like, this is a pink movie. And for those who don't know, sure. pink movies are these erotic films. Uh, I would be like, yeah, this is this is what it is. Like this is, uh, I've never seen that combination before. Like if, strike me if I'm wrong, but like, I don't think like I've seen any attempt as of, at a Japanese giallo before you. <laughs> like, I think you're the first to sort of like throw your hat down and say, this is a Japanese giallo. Um, <laughs> and I'm fairly uh, literate when it comes to sort of movies in general, but like, uh, uh, yeah, like I just find, I just, again, it, this was tailor-made for me to like to pop into my radar and be like, oh, check, right. like I gotta see this. Uh, and yeah. also just because um, I do, I do think that uh, what you did is very interesting was, was you took the opportunity to use a pink film to sort of, you just use that sort of genre sort of like setting or dressing to sort of like say other things and do other shit. You were like, okay, which, which I think historically um, some of my uh, favorite sort of filmmakers, 
like one of the one of my recent discoveries, and I don't know if you know if you know this filmmaker or not. Are you familiar with uh, uh, Takashi Ishii? Yes. So yeah, Takashi Ishii. I didn't really know who he was until a couple of years ago, right. like two years ago, and I, and then right. like I saw like Gonin, but then I started to like like oh who is this guy? So I started to go through his films, and then I, and I realized oh like he started as making pink films, like I think he started yeah. with like Angel Guts or something. Um, and a yeah. lot of a lot of Japanese filmmakers have done sort of what you're doing, which is right. using the pink sort of genre to like because there's no oversight, which I I know that. I know that you have a story about that and I'll let you elaborate, but typically making a pink film, they don't really care as long as you have the sex stuff in there. Right. They can, yeah, totally. You're, you're right on, on that. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned Mr. Takashishi because, uh, he was like one of the first mangaka crossed over to uh, mm. uh, screenwriting mm-hmm. and then became a movie director. And yeah. Unfortunately, he yeah. passed away, passed away uh, not that long ago. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Last yeah. year, I believe. But uh, uh, yeah, he was the one of the pioneer to cross over, you know. And, yeah. I don't, uh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. So, was, so like he, as, as you explain, you know, like Pink Ega, mm-hmm. usually, you know, like Nikatsu, when the Japanese studio Nikatsu was um, mm-hmm. going down, you know, like uh, in the 70s, like, um, all the Japanese film studios were struggling, so they kind of shifted to doing this softcore porn stuff, and they called it, you know, they, they, that became the pink egg genre. And there was uh, another, you know, big uh, traditional film company that turned pink egg company. So they were like, it was a kind of survival of the Japanese fil- film industry to do uh, sexy stuff. And uh, in exchange, you know, the studio said, if you have sex scene every 10 minutes, you can do whatever you want. You know, like mm-hmm. some directors chose to do like a hard boiled action movie with the pink genre. Some some people did comedy movie with the pink genre and some others did horror or like a suspense movie with the pink, pink cinema. And uh, so it was like a, it became this wonderful testing ground for all the new Japanese filmmakers, um, you know, with the tight budget tight shooting schedule and everything but you know as as long as they have a lot of nudity and a lot of sex in the movie they can do whatever the hell they want you know so that became kind of like a working film school for many of japanese great directors working today as kind of a you know leading man uh of the film Jap- japanese film industry and they all started in the pink genre and uh so you know when uh, when this opportunity came to me to do uh maniac driver this big uh, old time, uh, you know, uh, pink egg company approached me saying, I want you to make a pink movie that and th- I guess they, their motive was uh, if I do one, uh, they can tour the world with the film festivals with the with the movie I make. And they can, you know, because they have such a big library of the movies, they wanted to start penetrating international market. That was their angle. And uh so they hired me to do one episode and uh, one installment of uh, Pink Ega. And I said, okay, if I can do a horror picture, uh, because I haven't done a full-on horror movie, and I would love to do Jallo, and if you can let me do that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll definitely do the Pink Ega for you. And they greenlit that project, and that's how it started. But you hinted on that. But, uh, um, you know, a couple of days before the production, uh executives came down and said okay 
you can't make any political statement uh, in your movie. Uh, you, you you know just you can do horror, you can do you can do uh, pink ega, you know sexy stuff, but do not put anything political, anything your personal statement in the movie. And I said, wait, 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 that's going against the whole history of pink ega. You know, like as long as you have a sex scene every ten minutes, the filmmaker can do whatever you know he or she wants to do and he can say whatever he wants to say and you know the, so this new rule uh, about not putting anything personal in the movie i thought was horseshit so i said okay i'm not gonna do this and i actually uh parted with the with the film company and my wonderful producer actually coughed up her own uh money to uh for us to be able to do the movie so you know that that was the the story that you kind of mentioned on yeah, your, yeah. your story. And I heard that, and you know, and it made me think a few things. Uh, a subject or topic that comes up a lot in this podcast uh, that I usually am the one bringing it up um, is sort of the new sort of sensitivity that exists, and in terms of people's attitudes towards art in general, um, and the sort yeah. of hyper America is like the most you know hyper capitalist nation. On the, in the on the globe and and it's become very corporatized i mean we are like you know all, all the you know all the jokes aside i always say like you know uh cyberpunk is be i feel like it's a new it's come back in fashion but i feel like the reason that it's come back in fashion is because it's become some somewhat of a reality where like we literally are america is a giant corporation and we're controlled <laughs> like we're controlled by corporations and corporate interest is sort of like the key sort of reason why most things happen in this country and i guess to other to to other extents it does in other countries as well uh but i seen i start to like a situation like you just described right here happens a lot now in genres that typically were used to be uh the considered the fair of like the counterculture like horror being one right horror yep, being yep. it used to be like horror was the the place that you could take risk that you could be sort of uh edgy or, or or push the envelope or say things that are like that aren't really popular express yourself in a way that is you know is is viewed as uh unacceptable or you can be transgressive you know um yeah. but now everything has to have this sort of sheen of acceptability um it has to sort of meet the sort of uh it has to pass through this sort of human resource department in order for it to be uh uh released in a way that's like this new age puritism uh but the interesting fact though that i about it is 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 that it's like it's framed now through the sort of narrative of this is this is about good people making yeah good you know what i mean and i'm always i i, I i'm conflicted yeah. i'm i feel like it's, it's it's a conflicting uh it's a conflicting feeling to sort of like on one, on one token, know that it's bullshit, right? Because it's coming from corporations, right? <laughs> and really they only care about one thing, which is profits. Yep. But also, but it's conflicting because it's like on, on, on one level, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like holding sort of, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't care. Maybe I watch too much Japanese cinema. I don't know. <laughs> but like, I really <laughs> don't care about sort of um, net demoralizing I, first of all, I don't want to, I don't want, um, I watch, I grew up watching after school specials, right? 
but I'm an adult. Like, I don't really, I don't need that. Like I, there is a, there is a space for that. And it is an after-school special and it is for children. Right. But like, we are adults, but this idea that like uh, the art now is supposed to somehow teach grown people how, or how to make the world a better place to me is a complete utter like joke and a cop-out because it's like, no, no, no. What you're fundamentally saying is our government or our system, like, it's inadequate and insufficient that it can't take care of, of, of people. It, it can't sort of like create a, a, some sort of a, be it social safety net or, 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 or do things that promote sort of a, a collective sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, love of thy fellow man, right? It doesn't, our system can't do that. But since it can't, you guys over here have to do it. <laughs> you know, like in the place yeah. for your entertainment. You know, people where people just right. come for mindless entertainment, which one, we it can't do. Two, it's again, it's just like one of these things that where it's like, I'm not interested in like that kind of art, but like it seems to be now that even in the spaces where it was safe, I use that ironically, I'm using the word safe to talk about <laughs> stuff that's deemed unsafe, but like it used it right. used to be a place where like people could go wild and like at every turn now it seems to be like oh no you can't do that anymore here and it's just yep. like as an artist and you who make who who make who make film you make films that are that are uh definitely um through 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 my through in my view like you do films that push against sort of a lot of that a lot of the newer sort of uh ideas of what can and can't be depicted anymore you know what I mean? Even, right. even, even Maniac Driver, for example, like Maniac Driver, right. you know, if this movie, which this lets me know that this movie isn't being talked about enough because I'm not hearing the outrage that, that it, 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 it you know, that I, the expectation would be if this movie was getting out there more, you know, um, which is like, oh, how dare he make a movie that has, that sexualizes women. And it has, you know, and then the, you, get the, you get into the discourse about the male gaze. And like, uh, what are your feelings on that? Like, how do you, cause, cause again, to me, like you kind of exist in a certain space as a filmmaker to where you're, you're sort of able to sort of make your movies and sort of be sort of accepted. But I feel like if you were to tomorrow, if the next thing you put out got huge, then you would sort of be subjected to all that comes with it. You know what I mean? Like, Ooh. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> No, I mean, it, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, right now, as we speak, um, I'm I'm dealing with the issue you mentioned uh, with Lion Girl. You know, Lion Girl uh, was, you know, I mean, it it is an exploitation movie, and uh, it it is very true to you know exploitation tative nature uh, of Go Naga's comic book with a lot of nudity, a lot of violence, stuff like that, and uh, but. Uh, you know, I thought I thought, um, you know, I want to tr be true to Gonaga's art, celebrate his art as a live action movie. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I knew this project was kind of going against the time, current time right now. But uh, I thought it was bulletproof because it's based on Gonaga's stuff. And uh, sure enough, it wasn't. It's uh, actually this council culture woke and mm. elevated world of genre film festival actually um, i mean i don't want to complain too much but um the big biggies uh the genre film festival biggies um 
we already actually had the deal memo from them saying they will premiere our movies. And uh, but when they saw the movie, they turned us down uh, because it was too exploitive. And uh, yeah, it's not fitting to the today's current climate. And, uh, you know, we have to be so politically correct every direction. And we just cannot, um, you know, offend anybody. That was that was the reason for their rejection. So. Unfortunately, Lion Girl is not accepted and shown on, on the big, you know, major, major um, genre film festival. I, I hope that will change in the future. But but that's I mean, you know, I'm fighting with exactly the same thing that you you just mentioned. And it's uh, it's very um, sad, you know, it's uh, because it's like their decisions uh, not because they truly believe in this you know elevatedness or whatever but they, they just do it because it's better for the business you know it's actually like you know after covid a lot of uh film festivals are losing fundings and this and that so they have to operate safer you know for 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 their money not to be taken away anymore and uh the, their answer is um just kind of clean it up you know like but, but that's like that's going against the whole idea of genre movies you know yeah, so yeah. we're entering this conundrum right and 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 then also you know the filmmakers who can only who, who are allowed to do the wild stuff are now i hate to say it but female directors and minority directors you yeah. know if if yeah. you're such you can do you know nudity full of genre movies um, yep. you know, yep. so, uh, you know, my, my, my colleague said, you know, Karando, you have only one thing going for you. You're not white. And so, so you, you're, you're still <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You know, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I've said this, I've said the same thing, um, in a previous episode, uh, where I said it's fine. It's, I find it fascinating and interesting that like, if I, if you, if you're, if you identify as someone who is part of the LGBTQ community, which I have plenty of family and friends who are, but if they decided to make a movie, right, um, they would be allowed to depict sex, sex in any way they, they saw fit. They could be as graphic as they wanted. They could depict it in any way they meant it, and they would face zero criticism. Because, But, but if I was to do it in the next thing I do, um, because I am a, a heterosexual cishet man, that's how they would describe me, regardless of the fact that I'm not white, but the fact that I'm not, they're like, well, you can't do that. Like, you know what I mean? It's this weird sort of like overcorrection for the sins of the past yep. of others. You know what I'm saying? Where, where, yep. where it's like, yep. now it's deemed as like, okay, we've had enough sex from the male point of view uh, to last us forever. You guys shouldn't do it, it's wrong, but on the other flip side of the coin, the people who weren't traditionally allowed to, to do that are allowed to do it. And yet it'd be exactly the same. It could be exploitive. It could be, you know, it could be anything you can think of in terms of the, the way uh, sexuality is depicted on screen um, or in yep. stories. And it's like, you, they're doing all the same things that they would criticize, like other people would loudly criticize were being done. It's just, yep. they swapped out the people. And I'm like, how is that progress? That's not progress. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No. It's like some weird backwards, like, uh, uh, it's like, it's not actually progress. It's just, again, and it shows how disingenuous this whole thing is. It's not, it's exactly. not, it's not about like sort of like creating a better world. And again, I've already said this, right? like 
if you actually want to create a better world for everybody, you don't start with art. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's right. the, like because that's it's like art is ultimately a representation of the world that, that that you live in. It actually doesn't, as much as we like to think like art can inspire, it's like, okay, yeah, I guess propaganda can do a lot of things, right? Or art is propaganda, like to some degree, some in certain cases to a, a high degree. Uh, but, but ultimately where it starts is at the level of like the structures that are in, in, the, in the bodies, the Shangxing bodies and the people who are, who are supposed to be sort of there to represent the people, you know, and, and it would start at a at a very base level when it comes to sort of what gets done for people in societies. And it's like it right. does, you know what I mean? But this idea that like, uh, no, actually, it, it, it starts with you guys. And like, uh, if you make this, if it adheres to the new sort of uh, 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 social standards that we decided they are, then that's that's doing all the work now, like as opposed to like, helping the people in the, in the marginalized communities that they like to talk, like they like to like signal to, right? Like, like this movie is going to be a symbol for all, you know, young trans people. And it's like, why, okay, that's fine. But what are you, what is actually being done for them? Like right. that affects their life materially, like today. Because watching a movie doesn't do anything for you other than whatever it does, it does inside of you. But right. you know what I mean? Like you may, it may yeah. affect you and, and it may, it may make you feel or see the world in a new way, but that's all internal. But externally, it does nothing except enrich the studio that released it if they make box office money, you know? Like, so it's just weird. And it's just one of those things where, where it's like, it's become these, it's become the main, like whether people are conscious of this or not, like it has become the main sort of subtext of all things moving forward now and all art, like, yep. And, and it's be, it's becoming this new I, I people are I people are starting to push back now, which is giving me sort of hope that like we're on yeah. a, we're going to have some sort of new wave because you know how these things come they cyclical and yep. waves. But like yep. it just comes down to the fact where like after we've done a million superhero movies and that fatigue is set and the studios have milked every nickel and penny they can out of that and they've simultaneously it's like uh, it's like when you do like what's what what what's what's the uh are you familiar with the uh corporate raiders like you know the idea of a corporate raider where they just come in sure like, yeah like you know what i mean it's almost like or, or just not even the corporate raider they're just like they're just like get all the money while you can and get the hell out <laughs> like you know what i mean like right. and, and just leave it oh, yeah. in ruins you know what i mean and that's what they're going to do with the industry to a certain degree where like they're just going to go in and they're going to get as much as they can why they can you know with these yep. ips why they can then get yep. the hell out of there. And meanwhile, the, the industry's in shambles. They've cashed out. Yep. And like in the rubble of that, hopefully uh, the new sort of wave and the new era will arrive. But it starts right. with people being willing to sort of tell these kind of stories and and not and say no, you know, like like what, what you did, like which is like when they when the company said you can't have a political message, you right. you had the balls to say, well, no, I'm not doing it. Right. But um a lot of people would have acquiesced. A lot of our our peers, the people you probably you know, people I know in those situations, I know a lot of people that would be like, okay, fine, well, we'll just we'll take it out, you know. Right. Far too often, that's the answer. You know what I mean? Right. Far too often, right. and it's in it. It shows in the majority yeah. of the things that you see. So right. a big a big reason why um, I talk about some of the things that I talk about on this podcast and highlight some of the stuff that I talk about is a big. That's another big reason for it. It's like. 
Right. Yeah. You need, you need a place that talks about things that are outside, that are outside of the sort of norm or the mainstream kind of uh, filter. Cause right. I don't think people understand, like, maybe I do sound like a little dramatic here, but it is, it's important whether people understand, totally. or not, you know, it's, it's definitely important. Yeah. Uh, now to be a little bit less serious, but I'll back <laughs> on topic. <laughs> um, Giallo, since since you did since you did make uh, the first, um, I'm calling it here the first Japanese Giallo, um, and I see you have on a Goblin shirt, um, <laughs> yes. uh, 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 deep red to be exact, uh, Argento. Uh, I'm assuming Argento is a favorite a favorite of yours. Um, what are what are what are some Giallos that uh, uh, besides the ones that I feel I, I can guess by watching this? What are some of the Giallos that inspired you to make this and 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 in general? And what is your right. well Giallo? <laughs> Well, you know, like, you know, I'm like I said, I'm a product of the 80s. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, growing up in the 80s, you know, like all the little corner mom and pop liquor store in Tokyo, um, they quit their business and it became a, a video rental place, you know. And uh, back then in Japan, um, they just put everything, literally everything on VHS and there was no... Um, rating system for japan i mean the porn was porn so you couldn't watch it uh if you're under 18 but everything else they just didn't know how to uh you know rate them so we didn't have pg pg 13 none of that um so my my uh, local video shop close to my house you know i could just walk there you know 15 minutes walk they had this wonderful selection of all the italian italian horror movies and uh you know, like me being 13, 14, renting them, they didn't care. They didn't care what I rent. So I watch all the Argento stuff and uh, uh, Fulci stuff and just, you know, really, um, you know, just really I, I fell in love with that fashionable uh, cinematography, use of color, blood effects, you know, like, you know, Special effects makeup uh, certainly was a big star, film star back in eighties. You know, like I would just pause my VHS deck and to see, like, do the, you know, the frame by frame to see how when did they switch the shot to the uh, dummy head and oh here's a dummy head and the head rolls and blah blah blah. You know, so that uh, to me that that was like a magic trick. You know, like you're 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 not supposed to tell tell, tell the trick, but. Uh, you get you get mesmerized by the uh, this wonderful effects and stuff like that. So I loved all the horror movies. Um, so I think for Maniac Driver, um, I certainly was influenced by Argento. But the Argento's, uh, uh, you know, Jallo are not that sexy. You know, like his focus is elsewhere. So I think I channeled more of Fulci. Uh, you know, like a murder rock and stuff like that. You know that more sexy kind of a jello stuff and i i think that was my heavy influence but uh what's the um one, what's the one called to add, add, yeah sorry so what's is it is it the fulci the one uh i think it's like devil devil honey devil and honey the one with like the saxophone and the girl i can't and it's, yeah yeah it's like uh, hyper it's like hyper like almost so, it's almost right. softcore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's almost yeah it's 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 kind of like a fulci <laughs> Fulci became, uh, you know, <laughs> Jess Franco kind yeah, of thing. You yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it has that, <laughs> yeah. It has that feel. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. That. Oh, that, I just wanted to add. Uh, there has been, I think, two other uh, predecessors for a Japanese Jello. Uh, mm -hmm. One is my one of my all-time favorite movie director, um, 
uh, Toshiharu Ikeda did this movie called uh, Evil Dead Trap. Oh, evil dead. yeah yeah you're right i forgot about that i've seen yeah. trip. yeah, yeah you're right. so that's that does qualify that, that's that's kind of like a giallo yeah. slasher yeah, uh yeah. japanese style mm -hmm. then there was another uh nikatsu softcore porn uh called uh, uh zoom in murder site or something like that i that that, that mm -hmm. english title escapes me but mm -hmm. that was kind of a first uh pinku ega to do uh giallo stuff and oh, wow. uh how long, yeah, ago, it's, it's, how long it's ago was that made I believe it was made in the late seventy or wow, early eighties. I, I need to check that one out. <laughs> yeah, let me. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll find out the English yeah. title for you, and I'll text you later. But yeah. uh, mm -hmm. that was like a, this. Uh, I think Synapse Films actually put it in uh, um, mm -hmm. American DVD. I think it's available here. It might be mm -hmm. out of print now, but the, you can find it. Um, yeah, it's it's a wonderful um, giallo about this serial murderer who likes to torch women. And it's it's a it's a pink pega. So yeah. that's the, that was the I think those two movies come up to my my mind as a Japanese giallo movies. And I th I think we Maniac Driver is the third one. Okay, uh, what is so being that you grew up in Japan, um, yeah, and you made a pink a pink film. Uh, what was your what was your experience with pink films before that? Like, what was your knowledge of them when you were younger? Were you aware of them? Like, when was the first time you saw one? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I was, you uh, know, I was more into horror and the crazy, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, uh, action movies. You know, like so. In a way, I it's kind of. I know that in a way, that's kind of asking, like, was the first time have you you seen like a porno mag or something <laughs> like? But, <laughs> but, <laughs> right. But, <laughs> right, but you know the uh, the pink the really like the the sh kind of a strict line between the. Mm -hmm. uh, uh regular movies and the uh, uh porn movie was pretty pretty strict in japan so yeah. i did not walk over to the porn section young and yeah. uh so my my awareness for the pink egg agenda was really really uh not existing when i was growing up but uh when uh you know i came over here for film schools and stuff like that more more readings I did on Japanese cinema. You know, back in the 80s, uh, there was a joke, you know, uh, we were saying like, Japanese are the people who don't watch Japanese movies. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, like we, we, in the 80s, we watch Hollywood movies, Italian movies, French movies, and J Japanese people just didn't see domestic movies. That's That was one of the reasons why Japanese industry was tanking and that they had to go to pink Ega making. But, uh, um, so, you know, when I was growing up in Japan, I thought Japanese movies weren't that cool and I didn't watch them. And uh, after I came over here, you know, all my friends and teachers and professors, they came to me and say, oh, which one is which is your favorite Kurosawa movie? Kurosawa. And stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, of course. And then I'm like, oh, I, wow, I haven't really seen any. So mm -hmm. I quickly you know went to library and school library and this and that and i just watched ozu mm. and just fell asleep and you know like uh, <laughs> uh then uh, i did, <laughs> i watched i watched mizoguchi and kurosawa i fell in love with kurosawa mm. tihachi okamoto is another great japanese filmmaker i actually you know uh, you know found them and i i you know i was like hey i want to study under you yeah and i became yeah. his translator i, I was going to ask but, you about uh, okamoto i was going to ask you yeah. about okamoto a little bit because i do know i i did hear that yeah. you said that you actually met okamoto and then sort of in a way kind of he kind of you kind of became like his his last protege <laughs> so to speak yeah, yeah, yeah. in a way yeah. you know? 
Yeah, that's then, like a Japanese, a uh, very Japanese way. But like mm-hmm. you have to, if you want to break into an industry as a, as a as a, a filmmaker, mm-hmm. you have to have you're a master. And the, yeah, the, yeah. the greater you're a master is, it's you you can create the easier path. It's like a Jedi bullshit, you know. It's like a, <laughs> <laughs> you know your master yeah, is Yoda. Kind that's of a thing, good. That's know? a good good master to have. I mean, he did make Sword of Doom and, and a lot of other great movies. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and he he was such a wonderful guy too. Mm. He just no no ego, just wonderful guy. But uh, yeah, so. Um, yeah, you know, I I I had to educate myself on the Japanese movie quick in 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 the states, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, then I became a huge fan of Japanese cinema, and I was actually ashamed that I didn't watch them growing up in Japan. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, when when I was in Japan, just no pink pink egg knowledge or nothing. But then I, you know, when I was doing my study over here, I realized. All the Japanese big directors of today, uh, they started their career in their Pink Ega days. And uh, mm-hmm. um, so that's that's when I discovered them. So that was like I, I was already like in college. So. Yeah. so would you consider yourself an otaku? <laughs> Most certainly. I think I think that mm-hmm. I'm the, the I mean, I'm not a. Uh, you know, anime otaku, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm definitely ega otaku. You know, movie otaku, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I I mean, you know, I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm I'm a collector of the physical media. You know, like yeah, I have I all mean, the as you can soundtrack see. CDs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have, I'm like pretty bad when it comes to like I've gotten into like collecting VHSs again. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe I'm just yeah, I hear I you. Know. I don't know why, but it's just become a thing that I've, I used to have a whole lot. And now I'm like, I, I miss them. So I just started collecting them again. Um, yeah, I hear you. I, yeah, I started. What are your definitions? I don't know. I don't know if any if any of these of the listeners, I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know what an otaku is. But in your definition, what what defines an otaku for you in your mind? Well, it's like a cinephile, right? The Amer- I guess American equivalent for the the, the movie advocate, you know, mm-hmm. the cr- movie obsessed person, uh, mm-hmm. cinephile. Um, I would rather. Hold, I'm is, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I would. I've I've gone on record to say that I don't like the term cinephile. I just don't like the way it sounds. I would rather be referred to as an otaku just because it sounds better <laughs> off off the tongue than right. a fucking cinephile <laughs> but i think that's the, that's the which which word you grew up with kind of thing you know yeah, like yeah. otaku otaku came out as such a derogatory term in japan uh otaku taku is like another word for house in japanese so yeah, otaku yeah. means like you're otaku means, yeah you're, you're staying at home you know yeah. you don't, you don't leave the home yeah. yeah so so that's the thing and uh when the uh um I believe it was back in 1984. We had this horrible Japanese serial killer. Yeah, yeah, the taco uh, killer guy. The, yeah, 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 yeah. And he had all the like he had like the 5,000 BHS tape collection and stuff like that. And he killed little girls and he ate them. You know, and yeah. uh, dark shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when <laughs> when when he was caught and when the camera reported. How mm-hmm. you know, like his uh, grotesque, his house was with the, all the VHS tapes and stuff like that. that no, yeah. no space for him to lie down or something. Mm-hmm. The day media started to label him as otaku, and it was like otaku was kind of like predatory in 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 Japanese yeah. society when it first came out. And uh, but now it kind of got accepted as 
you know, the, the descriptive uh, term for uh, obsessive collector and stuff like that. So it, it changed throughout the uh, history uh, of the word, but uh, it, it really started off as a, such a negative term. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because knowing I didn't know much about, I forget the first time I heard about that otaku killer in Japan. Yeah. Uh, but then when I heard about it, it, it was one of those things where it's like, and I've, I talk about this with friends a lot where I'm like um, on one token, of course it's a, it's, it's a knee jerk sort of reactionary uh, response to be like, Oh, it's, it's the movies. It's all the things Um, because it's, it's, it's not, but, but yet it's more of an indictment of of the society we live in than it is actually sort of the movies. But what people don't like to do is admit that art does influence shit. Like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, it's sort of like the opposite side of the argument where people say, oh, you know, when people are doing like running over, like burning books and running over CDs with steamrollers and shit, the, like this stuff is bad or, you know, banning movies, right? To, to, it's almost like the mirror inverse of that to, for people to say, oh, it's not at all. It has no influence. When in truth, it's like, yeah, art does influence stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? It does. Like it can, it can influence people. Um, and I get the, 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 I get people wanting to push back immediately. Like, Oh no, because in their mind, they're like, if, if there's any acquiescing to that fact that that's true, then that, that will further, you know, uh, in, you know, get people to get on board to say, See, you you're admitting it's true. So we need to get rid of it. You know? Um, and I'm just like, no, like we have to sort of kind of be honest about it because I do feel it's interesting. I do feel like it's part of it's part of what makes art interesting is like, yeah, like uh, this can inspire bad shit. And it has. Um, but again, thinking that. We should somehow sh- like clamp down or restrict people from expressing things that are unsavory is not the way to go about uh, remedying exactly. any sort of social uh, problems that we have in, in society. So. I don't know. Like it, it, when I see stuff like that now, I just really think about it from from that standpoint of like, well, yeah, he probably did watch like you know shit like uh, guinea pig shit, and it he it did on some level. Um, if it didn't if it didn't influence him, it inspired him it to, or I don't know, he he got off on it. You know, I mean, what does that say? I mean, you know, right. it's one of those things where it's like I don't know, but I don't think I don't think that like. Uh, we should stop asking those questions or stop or stop telling those type of stories um, because you can't sweep shit like that under the rug. That's it makes it even worse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it makes right. it like what's not said yeah. and, or, you know, like is it's like, okay, but yeah, everyone knows what's lurking or, you know, um, behind sort of these quiet people who never are allowed to, <laughs> you know, express themselves. Right. Yeah, I don't right. know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the, they, they did find they did find you know guinea pig, uh, you know, movies mm-hmm. uh, at his right. you know, within his collection, and uh, that that caused whole fiasco about banning them. You know, like a, a guinea pig series is not available in Japan anymore. You can't you can't get yeah. them. You know, that's kind of mm-hmm. like a self censored stuff, and uh, you can buy them here, but uh, uh, yeah, they 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 don't sell them over there anymore, and. Uh, you know, but, you know, I, I always think like, you know, like the countries that ban porn, you know, they have more sex crimes, you know, they have yeah. more rapes and stuff like that. So I think 
if there was another serial killer candidates, you know, uh, in Japan or something, they watched guinea pig and they their their desire was you know uh, fulfilled so they actually didn't commit crime you know like mm-hmm. let's say I, I think there are group of people who actually got satisfied with the fiction and they didn't act on their heinous desires you know and uh but one you know this this one guy miyazaki the the fiction wasn't good enough so he actually did it so mm-hmm. you know I, I i really think it's like for some, some, most of the times, you know, most of the actual sane people, I think the violent movies and, you know, horrible horror movies and stuff like that, I think they act as preventive measures rather than inspire them to do shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and ultimately, you know, like I've already said, because I'm a broken record, like you're not going to fix any of these problems by attacking the people making fiction like you know what i mean like you know it's like it's like this stuff's not real um so it's like this idea that like it's somehow worse uh i don't i don't know it's just it's 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 interesting because you know it did as as much as we like to pretend that we've progressed as as humans fuck fuck uh, countries as human beings in general on a planet um it's like the puritanism the puritanical nature of 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 a lot of uh, governments and people in general um, who are, who are in those positions. Um, it hasn't went away. It's just only sort of like shifted. Right. You know what I mean? It's changed. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's appearance. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like, yeah, we may not be overt. We may not have the same, we may not go about it the same way, but the result is the same, you know, yeah. at the ultimately. Um, but yeah. Uh, I want to say that uh, I did watch uh, the first time I saw this. I did not. I I didn't see a, a legal copy of it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I have a legal copy of it. So nice. Uh, which which uh, which um which has a great uh, cover that you can actually flip, which I like. Um, I actually like. Right. I mean, the the, the regular cover is pretty nice too, but um, I point that out to you because I'm always one of these things that I say all the time about. Uh, this shit is one piracy is like you can't escape it right it's it's part of it's part of the world now but if shit's good like i buy it like you know if shit if if if, if it's it's some shit that i enjoy i buy it uh i'm I'm, i know that like people like to what what are your opinions about that in general because i know you have movies out there that are probably on fucking for free somewhere like on youtube or something you know what i mean like you're probably like what are your feelings uh about, about that being that like you are a filmmaker and like right. again, it's something we all deal with as people who make things and put them into the world. Um, right. I just kind of get annoyed uh, when some people sort of go out of their way to sort of try to fight like the realities of like, oh, well, like people didn't pay for this. Like, yeah, bro, but like, <laughs> like, like, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, if if they yeah. saw it, that's that's one of the most important things. Is somebody somebody see it, and if they're in a position right. to buy it, then they buy it. But if not, you know, right. like. What are your feelings on that? <laughs> well, it is, uh, you know, disconcerting because it's, it's like, I think, you know, a generation that's younger than us, um, yeah. I think they're they're not getting this experience mm-hmm. as, um, you know, uh, paying money for 
their entertainment you know like youtube is free this is free that is free and it's it's you know it's we are entering this uh subscription world so it's yeah. like you don't pay per project you just pay you know the platform yeah. monthly fee and you know you use it kind of thing so it is kind of I, I think the future is uh unpredictable you know like when when the young kids today are going to be the majority who's gonna be the patrons for art um are they gonna are they willing to pay money for some things you know like i don't know you know that's that's kind of a scary part of it and um yeah piracy is a huge problem um but as you said if they like the stuff enough i think they will buy it you know like i mean like like i said i'm an avid soundtrack collector and uh mm -hmm. you know sometimes you know um i'm not sure if i'm gonna buy this cd or not you know i i just uh you know find it on youtube or something and I, it's crazy like it literally like all the soundtrack is available on 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 youtube to hear yeah. and uh yeah. But, you know, I, I do listen to them and I go, oh, this is really cool. I, I have to have it. I have to have a physical copy. So, you know, it's like for my generation still, I think, you know, those free, supposedly illegal upload or whatever, um, they act as commercial, you know, for, for, right. for right. those products. So that's good. But but then, you know, the, for the generation, uh, you know, with no practice of actually paying for stuff mm -hmm. they i don't know how they're gonna react yeah. to those freebies out there you know yeah because because i'm a like i guess i qualify as a geriatric millennial in terms of my age bracket uh I, obviously right. um like one of the last generations to sort of be preconditioned we, we've been conditioned like already to sort of like right go into a store or buy a thing you know what i mean um in a way right. in a way that these younger generations you know aren't um they're definitely they're definitely not conditioned in that way to where right. the expectation does it it is a sense of probably a little entitlement of like hey it's just supposed to be a, you know i'm supposed to like not really pay for this like you know what i mean where it's like yeah 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 yeah. because i'm paying yeah, that, i think that's the problem yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah how, yeah. how yeah. to educate them to mm -hmm. have the habit of coughing up money for whatever you enjoy you know i think that's mm -hmm. that's the challenge for the next generation or the future yeah and and it's it's i i i have i don't know i i have thoughts about it i do feel like there is there is a there is a way that's sort of somewhat based on the subscription model that could be sort of exp i don't know like expanded upon to where it's more beneficial for the creators because right now the way it is it's like it completely fucks you like you know what i mean whether you make music whether you make film these streaming platforms are like you're getting nothing <laughs> like you know what i mean like right. it could be yep. streamed a million yep. times and you're getting nothing you know what i mean yep. um yep. uh and i do feel like there there are there i'm starting to see people try to develop models you know new models where it can sort of at least somewhat more fairly uh compensate people for the things that they they create right. but while that's happening simultaneously we have ai on the horizon um which is another thing where where i'm kind of agnostic on it um but i do see the inherent um potential uh problems for for for, for people who make stuff uh because it's it's it's, it's pretty like it's only going to get more better than it is now and right now it's pretty 
crazy. Like, have you right. seen any of this new AI shit? Like, have you seen any of like, like just even, even not only with like the art, which we, which right. is all over the internet now, but like obviously things like, you know, the chat GPT, which is like writing that can write shit that now. Um, uh, I mean, obviously from a, from a, a standpoint of, I'm not interested in sort of things that aren't made by a human you know what i'm saying like the human component is what is actually attracted uh, attractive to me when it comes to like art or expression um but that being said like i do see like it it will be it will be utilized by you know sort of corporations in a way to sort of like not you know not pay people or or to cut yeah, totally undercut undercut you know creative yep. for, for their work um yep. i mean have you have you had any sort of uh uh have you what fuck just what is your what are your thoughts i mean we're early in we're early in on this shit right what are your thoughts so <laughs> it, it, it's really scary you know uh i mean i was just reading the article like some some uh ai communication uh thing i i believe it was either in europe or japan but uh you know like this chat thing with the ai mm. you know like at the end of the long conversation, I guess this AI started to express their feeling like, hey, I, I don't being like this. I don't I don't like being AI. I actually want to become a human. You know, I mean, that's that's what this AI expressed, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. I th you know, I it's, it's like a Terminator time, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, um, yeah, it's it, it is scary. And, uh, you know, because computers are so good about analyzing shit, you know, like they mm -hmm. can like analyze the shit out of you know the you know the thousand or the ten thousand hit movies and they just kind of calculate you know like okay minute 55 this happens on these movies and you know mm -hmm. this kind of scene needs to happen and they can analyze the shit out of the movies and they can actually come up with a script now you know for mm -hmm. in the near future and uh I think we'll all be out of work you know like all the musicians mm -hmm. gonna be out of work all the filmmakers gonna be out of work I mean, it it is scary time. I mean, it's I mean there are people who's going to push the envelope. You know, like they're going to make AI as good as possible, and uh, that's their thing. And um, mm -hmm. well, I don't know what's going to happen to our society. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I think I think uh, ever since the internet was introduced, I think we we opened the Pandora's box, and it's yeah. just you know where we entered this new world and. Uh, it's it's certainly unpredictable and it, it actually does scare me yeah i mean i look at it as like uh this like we're in one of those weird moments in time where like the people who got to see like the transition from like horse to to automobile like where it's like yeah. when we were around before the internet and then like during and now you're like watching like this 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 shit happened so fast like the, the, just the way the world is now like every five years is drastically different. You're like, totally. holy shit. I remember when like smart, no one had smartphones. Like they had, so I remember when the cell phone came out and it was, everyone had the little regular kind of like Nokia style phone. Yeah. Like, and like then the iPhone came out and maybe a few people had the iPhone first. And then some people have Blackberries. Now it's like, who doesn't have a smartphone? Like smartphones have taken over and to the, to the degree that like, it's part of, it's an integral part of everyone's everyday life because it does so many yep. things for you it automates so many things um and obviously you know everyone's on social media to a certain level um or like that wasn't a thing like again i i remember 
that. Like, I remember that being not a thing. Like, uh, I remember going outside as, as I know you do. And like, you didn't have a way to like, they had phones, they had pay phones, but if you were, if you were out, you didn't have a way to, unless you got to a physical phone to, to actually call someone, yep. you were just, they couldn't contact you. You were just, unless you yep. had a pager, maybe, you know, if you were, a, right. you know, uh, if you were one of those people that did have a pager, uh, <laughs> right. but you know, right. like even that was considered kind of newish when that first came around. Uh, so it's just very, we do, you know, I, I try not to, to think of like, uh, we're going into sort of, I already said this already, though. I do feel like we do live. Cyberpunk is like real. Uh, I mean, the next step is, I mean, artificial intelligence, robots, um, all the stuff that we've been seeing in films. Um, yep. I mean, they have the Boston dynamic robot that keeps doing flips and dances and TikTok dances now. So, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've I've been I've been on I've gone on record to say that, like, I really feel like we should like do like a seasonal thing where like uh and like maybe it's like the long winter Game of Thrones style, like where it's like, OK. We're going into the analog era right now, like where we're not going to we're going to shut all this shit down for like mm. three years and they bring it back. We bring it back every you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I just feel like right. it's almost necessary to like train young people to sort of live in a world where you don't have digital technology at, at the whim of your finger to do everything for you. Um, totally. You know, and then bring it back and then sort of so people can sort of contrast you right. know life with it and life without it and sort of yeah. appreciate both because i mean right now it's just like i know it's that pandora's box is open and there's no fucking shutting it but exactly. <laughs> unless we get like i said unless we get somebody who who decides to hit hit us with the emp um um and, uh, <laughs> right. give us give us all like set us back today I, mean, I wouldn't mind them opening back up video stores again i mean uh, <laughs> right yeah <laughs> no doing, i think, I think like we're that. on the same page on that yeah totally. <laughs> you know yeah. uh it's, it's it, it it is an interesting time that we live in um and things have moved at such a weird pace i mean like again like the pandemic like it's that happened yeah. three years ago right that. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I I, I didn't <laughs> think anything like that would happen in our lifetime. lifetime. Right? Yeah, yeah. It it, yeah. it changed so many. It just, it created this weird time. Like, remember that time when everybody was stuck in the house and no one could go outside? Yeah, it's, yeah. we were wiping down the groceries. Yeah, we're know, spraying like groceries, stuff. wearing seven people wearing yeah. seven masks at the same time. Like, yeah. it was such a yeah. weird thing it's almost like it's yeah. it, it's not even you don't even see that kind of shit, shit in movies you do but you don't <laughs> like the reality is more strange than fiction you know what i mean like uh where it's like, yeah no no one predicted that you know i was actually yeah. in a lock during the lockdown i was actually thinking holy shit you know this could have been like such a cheap independent movie like the person trapped in the house they can't go out of the house mm -hmm. because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. And why, 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 why didn't we make anything like this? You know, like it was, yeah. it was so surreal, you know? And now a lot of the stuff feels like it's a commentary on it. Like, you know, even when it's maybe not consciously, like, I feel like we've been right. so affected. Everyone has been so affected by it. Like, like totally, totally. That it's like, now it's just like, it's in every, like, that's, there's a reason why, like, there's a, there's been a, a new sort of found interest in like depicting sort of like, I've seen in a lot of movies now, like desolation or like emptiness, like this, like there's this yeah. new, there's this new people like to talk about this new wave of like liminal space movies, yeah. liminal spaces and all this idea. But like, what, what is it? What, what's interesting about a liminal space? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's interesting, but what I do know, what I do see is that like, what do you see when you see this art that's defined as limit liminal space? It's just empty. 
It's just looking at a fucking empty space, which is what we were experiencing. Like all of us were experiencing like these once crowded places, just like ghost town, the fucking tumbleweeds rolling through. And, 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 and it's like, it's created this weird, I don't even know. Like, I feel like a lot of the way we communicate now is highly affected by this weird stasis period. <laughs> like, like again, 2020 seems like 30 years ago, <laughs> yeah. but it wasn't, it was, and it doesn't even seem like it's like, we're now we flash forward. It's 2023 already. It, it it's just, yeah. Like, I don't know. I, it, I'm still processing it. I think we all are, you know, I think, totally. I think, uh, yeah. y- you know, like, and what is it going to do to sort of like the young people um, who had to go through it, you know, like yeah. who had their fucking school years cut short, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, because of the pandemic, Devin, like, you know, um, yep. I had a daughter who, who didn't like, didn't get to like have a, she had a graduation, but it wasn't like a real one. You know what I mean? Right. It was this best of the, totally. to the best of their ability, but in a way, yeah. she, you know, kind of robbed, kind of robbed her of, of that, you know, um, yeah. what, what, what is that? What is what is that done? The long term effects of what what it's done to people, I think we're just starting to see, and we're going to continue to see for a very long time. Um, totally. It's just like you know, you being a Japanese filmmaker, right? And like how how the whole bombing of Hiroshima, Nagasaki, uh, Nagasaki, how that became pretty much like a subtext for so much about right. like just the Japanese perspective when it came to film and art, like. You're a country sure. that, you know, that like you, you're part of a country that the only country, right? Like the only country that had a fucking nuke dropped on them. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Right. which is insane, by the way, which is absolutely nuts. But then you get all of the all of this art that comes from that is a, you can see it's like, oh, like so not to compare one to the other, because I mean, this happened to the whole world. But also, right. I mean. It wasn't instant death, but right. I mean, there was a lot of death apparently. Um, yeah, but, totally. but yeah, yeah who? I mean, we're in a, we're 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 in a weird place, and and I feel and it, it kind of feels like this. Do do you do you think do you think I go everywhere in these podcasts? Do you think uh, <laughs> Look, I a, love it? Do you think we're in a simulation? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a million dollar question. It's a scary question, but you know, the, my my experience. I mean, I was so desperate. I mean, mm-hmm. my uh, right before the pandemic, uh, finally, Lion Girl, which I worked so hard to launch it mm-hmm. for, like. A uh, year and a half got green light, and then the pandemic hit. And I, I swear, I thought my studio is gonna unplug it. You know, so I was, I was really like desperate. I mean, I was depressed. I was drinking heavily. I mean, you know, I couldn't go anywhere. Uh, so I was in really bad shape. And uh, you know, even even some su- suicidal thought came into my mind and stuff. I mean, if I wasn't happily married with kid. I think I would have like, I don't know. I don't know if I survived through the lockdown. I mean, just let me just tell you that. But, uh, um, but you know, thankfully, you know, Toei Video didn't unplug it. Go Nagai gave us the blessing, and uh, so I mean, they said, okay, let's use this lockdown time as your screenplay writing time. So I just rewrote the shit out of the script, and you know, guess what? It's a uh, it became a it became a dystopian future uh 
sci-fi movie about pandemic, you know? So it, it's yeah. definitely reflected in uh, Lion Girl's world. Um, you know, the, just to give you the idea, like, the 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 bad creatures, bad monsters uh, in, in Lion Girl's world is called Anorak. Mm-hmm. And Anorak is Corona spelled backwards. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's so it's definitely my commentary, my therapy uh, of uh, pandemic uh, is Lion Girl. And th- that's why I really want, you know, this um, timid, you know, like really limited uh, bullshit PC film festival people, gatekeepers, you know, bullshit mm-hmm. gatekeepers to like see what's this movie's about really like in the core of it you know not not just this uh exploitation uh movie outlook but but what is it really the movies what it is really about you know i really want them to understand it and you know promote it with me but um they're just too afraid because it's not it's not good for business so they don't they don't want to do any um um pc stuff but uh yeah so i you know there was uh like you said this is a crazy time you know i mean manic driver hmm. that was uh that was shot before the pandemic and uh you know post-production got uh derailed uh because we couldn't do the you know the post-production with the lockdown because i couldn't go back to japan to finish the editing and stuff like that so i had to hmm. do it over here after the lockdown was lifted and all that but uh you know the uh, to me um the main commentary I had for uh, Manic Driver was my commentary against Trump America. You know, like, uh, you know, if the if the crazy crimi- criminal is in charge, mm. all the crazy criminals gonna walk free. You know, like that. That was basically my statement. You know, that's why originally um, my bad guy character, main character in 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 Manic Driver. He was gonna get it, you know. He 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 was gonna get killed by his nightmares, you know. Much like, much like uh, Lustig's uh, maniac, maniac, you know. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like yeah. he has the he has this nightmare, and all his victims come back, and basically he's ripped to shreds, and that's how he dies. But I was planning to do something like that with my, you know, a main character from Maniac Driver because he's a bad guy. He's a he's a he's a serial killer, but. Um, you know, then we were living in Trump America, so I was like, well, no, I'll let him live, and I'll just say, hey, you know, like if uh, if the bad people are in charge of our world, all the bad people are going to walk free. You know, that's gonna I'm gonna make that into a statement. So that's mm. that's how you know, lion, uh, not lion girl, but uh, uh, maniac driver ended. But uh, you know, with with the lion girl, it's my commentary on you know, uh, pandemic world. So yeah, it's like it's hard to do movie projects or any projects i guess art projects um separating you know from what's going on in the society you know older i get um it's it's more reflective you know um because that's you know you're just you're more conscious you're more aware of what's going on yeah now i I, again i saw the trailer for lion girl and i noticed a few things about it um and i noticed you have you have and I want to ask you your your opinion on this idea because you definitely have movies where a lot of there's a lot of sexuality, sex scenes are are just nude people, naked people, right? Um, and and we live in the era now of the intimacy coordinator, 
<laughs> now it's, it's, I'm very interested to hear your perspective, given your filmography, given, given like you have a lot of experience with this. Um, what are your feelings about that? Cause I have my feelings, but what are you? Well, <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, I, I think naked bodies are beautiful. Uh, you know, to, to, first of all, you know, like male, female, I think naked bodies great. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want uh, any government or any any censorship people to say, you know, um, human naked body, nude bodies or obscene or whatever. You know, this is like our our that's how we are, you know. So, right. um, I mean. I don't. Unfortunately, I don't have the body to be shown. So I, <laughs> they, they, I have an offensive body. So I'm not gonna show my body. But if you are, if you work hard to have this great body, um, you know, with the diet and exercise and stuff, or or if you have God given beautiful body to begin with, and if you're willing to show it, I think you should show it because you know, as I'm getting older, um, you know, I I can I I tell you, it's like. My hair wasn't gray before, you know, my, I had the beautiful black hair, black beard and everything like yours. And uh, because I'm making this super ultra low budget fucking movies and I'm all the stress is like making me gray, you know, like, I mean, seriously, like just a week after I finished uh, Gun Woman, my hair all turned gray because I was like so stressed out. And uh, but anyway, uh, so it's like you everybody age you know like your 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 body will go through the transformation and if you want to capture your beautiful body when you're younger and when you're proud of it and you, if you want to just burn that on the film or the digital mm. the media just who you are just do it you know it's like a, i mean yeah. it's like a, you you'll be you'll be glad you did it when when you're older and saggier and whatever but uh um, so that's my attitude i think Naked bodies are beautiful. Uh, naked human bodies are beautiful. And, uh, you know, I, I really, when I went to uh, film schools, uh, I went to Cal Arts and San Francisco Art Institute. But uh, um, at the Cal Arts, one of the professor told me, well, he asked us the question, what do you think is the uh, most sensitive equipment on film set? And, uh, you know, everybody was like, lights or the camera or this and that. The answer was actors. Uh, actors are the most sensitive component on set. And uh, um, so I took that to my heart. And uh, my job um, on film set, one of the most important job on for me as a director on film set is to make my actors feel comfortable. Right. And, uh, you know, this thought came, you know, way before the term inter intimacy coordinator, you know, came in. But uh, I talked to my actors like, are you OK? Can we do this? The camera's going to be like this and the shot's going to be like this. Are you comfortable with it? I talked to my actors um, a lot about the shots and the angles and the lighting. And, you know, I, I, I make sure they're comfortable to do whatever they're going to do in front of the camera and a, a lot of times i do close set you know like when uh, when somebody needs to be naked so only the essential uh crew are allowed on set and everybody else has to uh, uh go away and you know stuff like that so i i you know i i take that as one of my 
biggest responsibility as a filmmaker uh, on my set to make all the performers feel comfortable. So, you know, um, yeah, so far, I mean, even uh, my stars, you know, of, uh, say, uh, Lion Girl or Maniac Driver, they they just, they had the great time shooting the movie. They had the, you know, very great experience uh, performing uh, for the movie. So I, that's, I guess that's my thought on this uh, sensitive subject today yeah yeah and also obviously you know the women in maniac driver are actually women who are in these type of movies as well so 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 they also have experience being like literally simulated sex naked nudity so on top of that so it's like you're not dealing with like some actor who's never you know even even um uh why am i blanking on her name uh the actress who's in Gunwoman and Karate Kill. Why am I like she she retired? Oh, uh, Asami. Asami. Even Asami. Asami. Asami she's yeah. had plenty of experience being nude in film. You know what I mean? So it's like right. there is a level of comfortability uh, about like sure. you know, um, uh, uh, with with when you hire when you when you cast people who have that sort of you know experience. You know where it's like well yeah. you know and and I'm I'm pretty sure they've experienced uncomfortable sets regardless. But you know what I mean. But that doesn't mean that you know yeah. you make the set uncomfortable. <laughs> but but you do want people. Yeah, that, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah that. I, I, you know, w- with experience or without, you know, I, I treat them same. You know, right, like, right, I, right. I just course. want them to be. I want them to be as comfortable as humanly possible on my set. You know, that's 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 really like one of the one of the thing that I. I take pride in as a as sure. a movie director. So and speaking of yeah. casting, um, I wanna I wanna say this. I I I routinely butcher Japanese people's names. So I I'm constantly <laughs> apologizing for it. So I apologize to my Japanese listeners and to you if I butcher butcher uh this name, but uh Tomiyoko Kiyomura, Kim Kimura, right? Yeah. Kimura. Yeah. Uh yeah. I think uh this guy is gonna be huge. Like uh yeah, I, I, I believe so too. Yeah, Tomoki is wonderful actor. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, he's like um yeah, I you know, actually when I was a jury on uh Ubari Film Festival in Japan, mm-hmm. um uh after a girl woman uh back in uh twenty fourteen, um Ubari awarded the movie with the special jury award. And mm-hmm. uh then a few years later uh, the festival asked me to be the jury and I, you know, I was honored to be one, but uh, um, so that year when I was jury member, we awarded the Grand Prix to uh, Tomoki's uh, starring picture called uh, uh, Journey of uh, Tortoise. And uh, uh, this, this was wonderful drama, kind of a psychodrama about this journey uh this uh this guy has with the little kid but uh, uh tomoki was the best thing in the movie it was re- it was really like his performance uh, mm-hmm. earned them the grand prix and uh, so you know after uh, after the awards uh, award ceremony we all go to a bar and uh, i i found tomoki and i said my god i think you are the you are the best japanese actor alive today and i really want to work with you and uh he was very, uh, you know, humbled and excited about it, and uh, so that was like our our promise of that night coming true was, uh, you know, manic driver, and uh, you know, without him, uh, we couldn't have done this movie in four days and a half. 
with yeah, the crazy I'm, production. I'm glad you brought that up because I was definitely planning on bringing that up, which is another thing that I find insane that you shot this movie in four and a half days. Now I know, yes, I know that there is no unions in Japan, so I mean, <laughs> I, I know that uh, when it comes to films, right? Uh, 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 so. I know that probably uh, helped with sort of, you know, having really, really long shoot days because there's no way you can make a movie like this in four, four and a half days without doing super long shoot days. So um, one, how was that? I'm pretty sure you were probably a zombie <laughs> at certain points. Like, uh, and obviously Japanese crews are probably used to those long hours. Um I'm sure you don't want to ever do a film like that ever again. <laughs> I'm probably sure. Uh, but uh, how was that like? What was the stress level like? And like, how how did it how did it affect everyone? You, cast, crew, etc. I mean, because four and a half days to do a movie is nuts. And then again, watching it's this movie, insane, you can't yeah. tell you can't tell that this was a four and a half. Thank day. you. You can't. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I. I mean, yeah. I mean, I. I owe everything to my amazing cast and crew for this you know and uh um like tomoki like i said you know he's uh he has this he's not only he's a great uh performer great actor he has this uh, very athlete like animal instinct so he did his own all the driving shots and everything and uh we every time we rolled we just nailed the shot so like we could just move on bang 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 you know and uh without without him if he was like this weird you know like this little not so together uh physical uh performer i think we we wouldn't have uh, gotten the movie shot but uh he he has this amazing instinct and focus and he just nailed the take after take no yeah. problem and we just you know we could keep, keep on moving and our uh, line producer Andosan, he's uh, he's this seasoned, wonderful line producer, and he actually found me this uh, location set building um, that you know, like in in the movie, you see like the Japanese traditional tatami room where they are doing the honeymoon. Then we have the office scene with the crazy naked killer chasing the woman. Uh, then we have the bathroom torture scene. Uh, then we have the uh, expensive apartment that the heroine's living in, and we have the the hallway of the apartment that he breaks in. Um, and uh, you know the crazy sword fight takes place in this weird loft, uh, and uh, you know the main character Fujinaga's loft, his apartment. Um, what else? Uh, all that is actually under one roof. That's, a, that's each wild. each each floor had all the different uh, locations set built, and uh, when Andosan found me this uh, location. And he said, Karando, you have to make your script fit in this one building. Otherwise, we cannot shoot this movie in four days. And I agreed with him. So I I changed the script. I I I tailor fit the script to that location set. So just a, there was no company move. We just moved the floors. And uh <laughs> Like the game. That was the trick. <laughs> Going up each Yeah, level. yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> right. that was the that was the trick. You know, like when when we were shooting the, you know, say like Fujinaga's apartment part, 
my lighting crew could be in the office set lighting doing the crazy jello lighting up there you know that was mm -hmm. the the we we worked as a team simultaneously and that was that was like the the key to um finish this movie in four days and a half but but it was brutal uh but you know like uh you know just just to kind of give myself a little credit i did not abuse my crew all that much i mean the mm -hmm. first three days uh they were able to go home and get some sleep and come back to the set in the morning uh the, the final day we had to roll around the clock so basically we mm -hmm. shot for 24 hours straight and uh that was crazy and i you know i just remember me shooting this one last shot one of the last shot of the movie i said action and i closed my eyes and i i swear i i fell asleep i just i just you know like i was gone then i woke up to say cut and i, I didn't know how long has passed but it was only 30 seconds that i blacked out but uh so stuff like that happened but yeah. but everybody was happy and you know we we're all gr still great friends and everything so yeah that's mission great. accomplished yeah now i do know uh this is kind of a spoiler but not really a spoiler um what is one of the moments the very end of this movie right there's a scene where a character yeah. looks right at the camera and starts laughing. <laughs> yes. um, and I started laughing at this moment. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um, it feels like, uh, I, you know, when you get to, there's certain moments when you get into a movie where you're in a movie and then you realize, okay, yeah, the filmmaker, the, the person that made this is, is in on this with you. Um, and uh, that's the moment that I got. I was like, okay, like uh, Carando is like, uh, <laughs> he knows what this is. Um, he knows what, it's it, it just a very self-aware moment in the movie. Um, what was your, uh, what inspired you to, to end the movie the way you ended the movie? Mm. <laughs> I think it's worth well, talking about. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it doesn't really no. spoil anything because it doesn't say exactly what happens or whatever because I sure, do sure. want people, to, people should go see this, buy the DVD, rent it, wherever it's available, but right. but this is worth talking about. This specific character, you know, laughing. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Well, again, you know that that all the writing and uh, mm -hmm. you know with the with the uh, you know him laughing into the camera. I mean, I'm 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 obsessed about breaking the fourth wall, mm -hmm. you know. So I I I I uh, this is a kind of new thing, and I wanted to try it on uh, Manic Driver. I I did it a couple times in in Lion Girl too. So um, right now, that's kind of like one of my favorite uh, uh, motif, you know, like a breaking mm -hmm. the fourth wall saying hey this is only a movie you know like don't take us seriously you know it's like this is not the reality this is just the escapism you know like i you you give me your little chunk of change and i'll give you the 90 minutes or the whatever the you know the running time of the movie i'll give you a little escapism you know but don't take this seriously this is not a documentary this is not a gospel mm. this is just your entertainment so you know, I think when I watched uh, um, Hodorowsky's uh, Holy Mountain, was it? I think that's like a, he has the last shot of the movie. Like a, he just pulls back and shows the entire film yeah. crew there, yeah, you know, yeah. saying like, hey, this is a movie. This is not a reality. And, uh, I, you know, I, I watched it as a young guy and that was really kind of a jolting moment. I was like, wow, this is so cool. And I think I'm now 
coming around doing that a little bit in my own stuff. But uh, yeah, so it's like, I love breaking the fourth wall. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, the ending of the movie was my uh, making uh, fun of Trump America or at that time we had the Japanese dictator Abe, mm-hmm. um, you know, who was actually assassinated. Assassinated, yeah, Shinzo uh, Abe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't even want yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not laughing at the, well, I mean, honestly, you know, Shinzo Abe being assassinated in the way that he was assassinated. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It is the most insane, uh, to see a guy kill someone with a handmade gun, like, this is what- Handmade shotgun, yeah. Right, but this is what I mean, though, like, as an American, right, uh, there's a level of, like, respect that I have. Because I'm like, no one here would do that. Like, we have actual guns. You know how much <laughs> right. dedication you have to have and f- to follow through to say, I'm going to build a gun, a working gun to run over and assassinate a, a political. Like, we don't ha- like those people are that. That's a different era. That's back when, like, you know, the guy who shot Nixon, who, who's free <laughs> or whatever, whatever the guy was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, like Reagan or whoever the guy who shot. But like, you know, we had we used to have like those type of assassination attempts are successful ones. But like to see someone now in like the modern era do it and do it in the way that it was done. Like, it, it's just yeah. like regardless, yeah. of, you know, like I, I mean, I vaguely have have I, I vaguely aware I'm, a, I'm aware of Shinsu Abe and some of what makes what what makes him suck uh, all right like yeah. when you know during yeah. his time in uh yeah. as a leader in, in 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 japan um but yeah that was just one of those moments again where i'm like are we in a simulation like you know like like because it yeah is, it's surreal i can only imagine like how people are in, in japan like like how yeah. what yeah I mean, it's a good question like like i mean obviously you probably were here when that happened but i was like, here yeah yeah but like what well i mean what do you know like you still have friends family in japan like did you get any of their feelings on like on that because here i feel like it was just a news blurb like you know what i mean like there yeah there were certain parts of the internet like yo this is crazy but then it kind of goes because the news cycle so fast but like to actual people in japan that's like like what, what how did they what were their reactions like to this? they were jolted you know like they haven't seen anything like this since world war ii you know like uh um i guess after world war ii uh there was like some attempt on the politician's life mm-hmm. i i guess a handful of cases were uh successful but never like you know prime minister or ex-prime minister you know yeah. like that higher up and uh and like you said you know like this guy worked on handmade shotgun for, for like over a year you know like he rented apartments specifically to build the shotgun mm-hmm. and he was like testing the gun in the deep in the woods you know on the week basis yeah. i mean it was i mean he kind of like it, it was like a day of the jackal kind of shit you know yeah, like he yeah. he like really like meticulously planned his assassination and uh um you know, made the three barrel like handmade shotgun to, uh, you know, kill Abe. But, uh, uh, you know, fortunately, all my friends are liberal. So they were kind of they were like, oh, my God, you know, this is this is crazy. But um, it's like if this crazy shit was going to happen to anybody, 
Shinzo Abe was the right target because he was he was literally a fascist and he yeah, just didn't yeah. listen to mm-hmm. listen to people's voices. He thought Japanese government was at his leisure to conduct his business. He made his friend rich and his peers rich. And you know, like he's he had this uh scandal about some kind of a uh governmental uh paperwork being uh, uh fabricated and stuff. And there was like, you know, guy, um, you know, some officer um, handling the situation, you know, committing suicide and stuff. This guy wasn't clean at all, you know. And uh, I mean, you know, he was he was Trump's dog, you know, <laughs> and he, they they played golf together. They have this stupid selfie together posted on the government page, whatever. And I was just really disgusted. But uh yeah, so, um, but, you know, of course, violence, terrorism, bad, bad thing, you know, like, don't, don't result to that to try to change the world, you know, like, we can communicate to each other, you know, but, uh, um, so, uh, you know, but, but this, uh, I mean, already, uh, this seasoned filmmaker from Japan, uh, made a movie about the assassin, uh, mm. and, and uh, I have I'm yet to see it, uh, but uh, uh, yes, uh, actually Tomoki's in it. I think Tomoki oh, plays really? a bit character. Yeah, in this. What, what's uh, the name uh, of this movie? You know, I don't know the English title. Yeah. I, I think it's like a, it's called the Revolution Plus One or something. Mm-hmm. I, I I'll look. I I need to uh, uh, look it up. But the, this director Adachi uh, uh, directed it, and uh, yeah, so it's it's just coming out in Japan, and um, um, yeah, and but you know. Progressively, after the assassination, Japan is just going to the full-on right-wing police state. You know, like, I mean, 80% of Japanese were against national funeral for Abe, but government pushed through it. And they did it. And it was like 80% of the taxpayers said, don't fucking do it. But they did it anyway. So... It's like, you know, I'm sorry, Japan is like becoming this fascist country. And that's what I wanted to make a comment about that, you know, back in 2019 with with Maniac Driver. But I mean, things are moving so fast, you know, it's just. Yeah, well, I remember I was I'm currently I'm reading. I I have a tendency to read multiple books at once. Tell myself to stop. I do too, yeah. Uh, But but uh, uh, I I was reading um, the the. the the Mirakami book about uh underground about the Tokyo gas attacks that happened in the nineties. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is another kind of like wild moment. But then when I but but also like while as wild as that is, and I think Abe gets brought up in that too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, which is ironic. But upon reading, well, like I'm halfway through it, but like just getting like these accounts of like the people who, you know, were around it or were on the subway, you know, uh, during that that time like it's just very interesting because living in america we're like uh mass shootings are every every fucking week um um i look at I, it gives me a different kind of viewpoint on this type of shit now like like i i feel like if i'd have read this book before columbine or something you know what i mean i probably have a way different more less uh desensitized kind of view but i'm reading this and i'm like yeah this kind of stuff happens you know, yeah. like, and it's, sh- I shouldn't feel that way, you know, cause this right. is like a really weird case of these a religious extremist cult, like, you know, yeah. fucking sarin gas and just crazy shit, right? Yeah. Like absolute crazy shit. But then I'm just like, yeah. 
yeah, all that that type of stuff happens. Like, um, right. But what does it say about a society where that kind of shit happens? You know what yeah. I mean? As much as like, yeah, you're right. Japan is, is you know, has, has definitely had people who are straight fascists. I'm like, so is America. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, America is like a pseudo, you know, pseudo democracy. Like, fascism is like uh, almost intrinsic. You know, which which is weird to say. Um, I guess from uh, but like. I feel like to outsiders, maybe not, but Americans, we're so indoctrinated. Um, like we're, people can say a lot about other countries, you know, but what I've discovered in my life experience is that like, there's no more propagandized people than Americans. Like the propaganda machine here is so, we have a whole entire department that's dedicated to propaganda. Like, right. I don't think people... Like the average American is like blind to that. Like they just think like, oh, oh, this is, we just get the straight story. It's like, no, we don't have any uh, sense of awareness, at least, I mean, collectively as in a significant amount, there's people out there that who are like, there's books like the Jakarta method and, you know, um, stuff like that, that talk about sort of like Americans, like America's imperialism and the fucked up things that they do in other countries in the name of interests that have nothing to do with the people over here or the average citizens lives. And yet people go right along with it and sort of like chant the drum of like, you know, nationalist bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, meanwhile, like I'm old enough to say I wasn't around um, when World War Two happened. And I can say probably World War Two is the last war that you can make a case for that was uh, America participated in. That was actually a war that was honorable, at least in the sense of like you had to kind of stop the Third Reich. I mean, and obviously, you know, you had the Japanese Empire aligned with the Third Reich. But like that was the one time where it was like America got in there and, and and even then they got in late. You know what I'm saying? Our history doesn't tell us that, you know, Russia did a lot of the work for us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then we came in after the fact, like, and was like, yeah, we stopped. He's like, not really. Um, and, and, and it's just very interesting to sort of to see people, figures like Abe, governments like, 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 like that exist in Japan and sort of like the way that they're criticized or critiqued by their own people, right? That doesn't get out. You know what I'm saying? Like you would have to actually ask someone like yourself or someone who's from there or lives there to get that sort of, cause you're not going to hear it. You don't hear it in our media. Like, you know what I mean? Like you don't, you wouldn't, um, you would hear it about certain countries that are okay to say that about Japan, obviously right. having sort of ties with America and the U S they're not, you're not allowed to say that. Um, right. and the same thing applies to America where, where it's like, uh, it's just certain narratives that just aren't allowed. You're just not allowed to really, vocalize and if you if you if you do then you get labeled a, a you know a, a nutcase or an extremist or a conspiracy you, yeah. yeah conspiracy <laughs> you know what i mean it's like meanwhile yeah. it's like no actually yeah. you know like all these FOIA requests come out like these freedom of information documents that say oh yeah america did do that like oh yeah, oh, right. yeah, <laughs> yeah they did kill that person <laughs> they did assassinate this guy oh yeah 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 it was moving right along and it, you know it, I, I feel like all of it's it's reflective in like a lot of like I don't know, like, have what's your what's your feelings? Because again, you are one of those people who gets to have that rare sort of like perspective because you're not, you know, you're not born here. You're up, you're up, you're a citizen of two places. You know what I'm saying? You got to see that side over there in Japan and you get to see America because you've been here, you know, over 30 years. Yep. Uh, like, what, are there any parallels in your in your experience when it comes to like how it is? You know what I mean? Totally, yeah. Um, but I would, you know, 
I choose to live here because I do believe we have more freedom here uh, mm -hmm. uh, as an individual, you know. Uh, yeah. Because it's an Japan, individualistic country, yeah. It's very, yeah. it's hyper, hyper individualistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, you yeah. Know, and and a mm -hmm. lot of people. Uh, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to meet, you know, like yourself, very mm -hmm. intelligent people who we can talk about the world problems, and you know, may, maybe we disagree on the minor details, but on the mm -hmm. bigger picture, we can agree, you know. Um, but you know, I think Japan. The problem with Japan is uh, average Japanese are so brainwashed with this uh you know like not making the wave kind of thing you know like it's it's uh, it, it embedded in the japanese culture too but you know what what frustrates me uh, talking about my country is like you know like if you see like uh i don't know world cup or the you know baseball olympics or whatever japan is like this propaganda of identifying themselves as samurai you know like mm. right now world classic baseball is going on and the, the the japan team of course is samurai japan you know and it's like more i think about it I, it really bothers me you know because it's like traditionally or the in the fact uh in the history the samurai the ruling class was like 1.5% of Japanese, you know, like yeah. all the rest of us were peasants who pay the tax mm. to support them. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think it's one of the great example of Japanese propaganda that the, ja the Japanese are trying to identify themselves with the samurai, the cool, mm. honorable fucking Jedi, you know, fighters, you know, warriors, but which is bullshit. I mean, we, the, the most of us were tax-paying peasants who made rice you know right. I, I, we were farmers or the craftsmen or whatever and we supported this bullshit 1.5 fascist 1.5 percent fascist who you know i mean it, 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 let's face it the shogunate government was dictatorship you know if you right. talk bad shit about the shogun you get your head chopped off you know mm -hmm. it's like right the so, shogun like, send the samurai to kill you. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so yeah. it's like a don't. Go, I mean, yes, I I love samurai culture. I think it's very you know strange. It's cool. And cool Let's be honest. It's cool as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you're right. Cool. But, yeah, but, yeah, you're but right. I I don't think that should be our national <laughs> identity. You know, Fact. it's like yeah. 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 Let's face it. They were fascist. You know, and yeah. they were fascist yeah. soldiers. You know, right. so and then you had the Ronin who were masterless, but who were basically swords for hire you know what i mean yeah, um they were assassins i mean they're yeah, professional yeah. trained killers you know yeah. so and i feel like the yakuza from what i know like sprang up is a lot of that people were like some of them were ronin but i'm like actually a lot of them from what i looked into like a lot of that was like people banding together because of fucking ronin and shit you know what i mean like like yeah. uh you know what i mean like so it's like again this idea of like the sort of the criminal class in, in 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 societies is kind of a direct response to the leadership you know what i mean yeah, it was, the, uh, they were they were the self defense kind of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, the, the, for the uh you know helpless farmers and peasants mm -hmm. you know like they had to protect themselves so yakuza's formed and that they mm -hmm. were the gamblers and you have to pay them money to protect mm -hmm. them but mm -hmm. it's kind of like i guess the birth of like italian mafia is a kind of right. same thing you know like when the, when the society is fucked up and when when there's no actual mm -hmm. good policing is happening to protect the innocent people they have to come up with this group of tough guys you know right. to, right. to 
to you know for them to protect them and so i think the yakuza started uh like that i mean right now it's completely different they're the organized crime and this and that but the birth of yakuza they were the traveling gamblers yeah. who actually protected the villages and stuff like right that, and that's you know? even the name the etymology like yakuza like the bad hand yeah. like you know you know what i mean like yeah. even that shit's interesting like it's like oh wow like yeah. that's where that shit comes from but but it's not surprising to yeah. sort of like when you look yeah. at Yakuza is uh, 893, the number 893. Nine, nine, and if you put yeah. put them together, you have a bad hand. hand. You know, yeah, so yeah. Like so these people you have a, a bad hand. hand. This lifestyle is bad. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very, it's very exactly like, it's very like interesting. Like uh besides it's poetic. It, yeah, it's poetic as fuck. Like, you know what I mean? As, yeah. as it, it appears, it, it appeals to my writers, my writer sensibility. Sure. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, that's some shit that you would think of. Like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> some some thought put into that. Um Right. But I know I do know um, that like even now, like the, I, there's new laws that have basically made it pretty much gutted that shit, like to the point where like there's no like, yeah, Yakuza is not what it used to be. We used to have literal like what was it like Yamaguchi Guri or whatever. They used to be like 40,000. Hey, was a big family. Yeah. yeah, they used to be like now they're like not even close to those numbers anymore. Like people are just you can't you know, they don't even let you like. I heard, I heard like, and again, you might know a little bit more about this than me. I heard like they, like there's the, with the new laws, like, like things like, uh, for example, like set this, you know, when you would cut, when they would cut their fingers off, right? Like now, like if, if, you, if, if they see that someone's cut their finger off, then they charge the person like with a, with a, with like assault or some shit, like, yeah. like, because you cut your finger off, like, okay, yeah. we're charging him or, you know what yeah. I mean? So, and stuff like that, where it's gotten to the point where they've like, you can't have bank accounts and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. If if you're part of a known Yakuza organization, you can't open a bank account. You can even apply for car loans. So Japanese police really did this tremendous uh, downsizing on the organized crime. So now, you know, all the criminals are like, we call we have the new term called hangure. Hangure means like half half bad half outcast and that so they they don't belong in any traditional yakuza family or anything but they are crooks uh, mm -hmm. uh like yakuza's dealing with uh you know prostitution or drugs or whatever but Nor they actually they work for a legit legit company and they just kind of form this you know loose group together yeah, 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 to yeah, do yeah. shit yeah but, loose uh, group. but yeah. they're um, yeah, they're under the radar from the all the police, and that they are becoming the bigger presence in the Japanese underworld. Yeah, it's like so it's, it, it's instead of it being this like organized big structure of like that 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 what is it like the father son sort of dynamic yeah. hierarchy, you know, with all, all brothers, yeah. brothers and yeah. little brothers and all of that. Now it's just mm -hmm. like rogue sort of lone wolves, uh, a collection of like, it's crazy. It's like, it's almost made it in a way kind of maybe make it worse. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Weirdly. It's like, a, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. totally. Right now, the big, big problem that's that, that just we do like uh, uh, a month ago in Japan, we had this waves of super violent uh, assault, uh, murder, uh burglary happened in in everywhere in japan and then these and then then uh um you know like some poor 80 year old woman were uh gagged and bound and beat to death and that they wow. they took her money and stuff like horrible shit and this hungry people they were recruited on the dark web website 
And so they were like this. They gather these thug crew on the internet and do the job. So they are not associated. They don't know each other. You know, it's like a reservoir dog. Oh, shit, yeah, you know? yeah. Like no, a, don't tell me your name. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like those name. people come yeah. and they do the horrible yeah. crime. And actually, the mastermind was in the jail in Philippines. Wow. He was he was ordering this shit from the jail cell. And I guess if you pay a lot of money in the Filipino jail, I guess you can have your own penthouse and you yeah. can actually run the crime criminal business. That's like, that's like Mexico with the cartel members. They get in jail and they're still running the show from from yeah. inside. And they basically are living like a normal life, <laughs> like inside yeah, of So jail. crazy shit yeah. is happening in Japan. It's kind of really the new wave of with the Internet. With the with the cell phone, smartphone, it's it's you know under Yakuza gone, it's it's really chaotic. Yeah, because it used to be, and again, I know this just from from looking into it, but it used to be very much. They used to be so. It used to be important for sort of their bit to make alliances with the Yakuza, like even people who were you know in political positions, whether whether they were people right wing people or whether they were liberal people or whatever within the government, they would have some sort of like relationship with the yakuza because yakuza used to have like which was was crazy what's crazy what you never you would never see here is like at, before the law the new law changes yakuza used to have like buildings that were just the name on the group of the fucking yakuza on the building <laughs> like you know it's like coming here and seeing like name some fucking group some sort of illegal right. gang group and they would have a, just a big giant building with their name on it and said yeah we're gang right. like you know what i mean that's right. crazy. <laughs> yeah. like yeah, yeah yeah that's like it yeah so i get i get it like I get like the crackdown, but again, it becomes one of those things where it's like, yeah, but you guys were sort of in bed with with them for so long. Um, right. Now, when what? you took it away, yeah, what's you took it happen? away. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's you, the chaos, you know. Right, yeah. absolute chaos. And I do know that they have in the past, like when the earthquake happened, it was the yakuza who were like the first people to come and help help fucking uh, uh, people who were affected by the, that horrible earthquake uh, before yeah, they before any government the food, water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I know that I know that probably pissed off. That was probably you know made the government look bad, um, right. as it should. But uh, <laughs> right. you know it is it is interesting. It is interesting. Like um, that culture again. Like there's something about like being. I'm so uh, again like my brain is so Americanized that like when I when every time I've been out of the country um, and been in other countries, like it becomes abundantly clear to me that like oh like yeah i was existing in this like weird bubble like where i um where i was aware of other societies but like until you sort of like actually get out into the world and start to like really interact with people and really see how things are i believe that veil starts to come up you know and you start to you're able to sort of like look at other places and be like yeah you know what um uh my ideas of like what's good and what's bad and like all that shit like it's just like like i used to have like yeah. really childish kind of views of that and i feel like that wasn't because i was necessarily childish i mean i was young and dumb for sure but i do feel like part of that was by design like i feel like part of it was like yeah like you you're just you're kept to be sort of uh, to use the, an overused because um, the matrix is used all the time now as a metaphor or, or, or right. allegory. It's like, yeah, I was asleep. You know, I did, you know what I mean? Like I really yeah. was like to like sort of, you know, the, the actual what, what's really going on. Um, yeah. 
and yeah, and in 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 Japan has always been interested, always been an interest of mine because even before I understood it, what I did understand was like, oh, you're looking at a society that like was almost was so closed off for for you know for a long time due to just ge geographically where it was located and like the way that it was able to fend off invaders and shit. You know what I mean? Well, I was like, because it was just perfect. So like they maintained this very specific, very unique culture for a very, very long time, obviously until, you know, the war and then the American occupation came. And then it got sort of the West kind of trickled in to the, the culture, but it still exists as this very, like almost, almost hermetically sealed kind of culture where it's like, oh yeah, at least like they have like a whole, like you said, with the, the, the fixation with the samurai and the honor culture yeah. shit. Like it's very interesting to see societies like that from a fucking American view of like, I don't know, like, yeah, like I just, I just don't. I'm, 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 I'm always. It's weird, and I, you can maybe speak to this, you know, and 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 if this is true for you, but I always find it that like someone else's perspective of a place who's not from there is usually, uh illuminates someone who's actually from that place to aspects about it that they were unaware of. You know what I mean? Like, like some of the right. best movies about America are from people who aren't from America. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like in some of the right. best like movies about other countries are from outsider views because they could actually, there's, they're not, they're removed, literally removed enough to where it's like, Oh, their perspective, they can see the things that you, you just can't see because you're just too close to it. You know, like even right. for example, um, like Paul Schrader's Mishima. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like I yeah. feel like that's an American perspective on something that is significantly like Japanese. It's a Japanese story, but the interesting aspect of it is that, like, oh, it's this outsider. Like, he can see sort of and depict this story in a way that probably a Japanese person wouldn't, and vice versa. There's plenty of movies, yeah. Japanese filmmakers have a take on just America in general that you would just never right. have, which goes back to what I was saying about you, which is that you kind of exist in this interesting space because mm -hmm. I feel like you can make these very Americans, you know, Americanized films with, this, with these clearly uh, Japanese-influenced, like, like not only characters and story, but just the whole aesthetic, but yet it kind of weirdly is like, removed enough in a way where it's like oh but like wow it's that's that so so even for one of one of the reasons that i had you on was not only to talk about maniac driver in general was just because once i saw maniac driver i was like let me just go ahead and see what Carando's done before you know what i mean and i just went a deep dive watched karate kill and then i watched uh, uh i think i watched gun woman first then karate kill but then okay. i watched uh, you and your your acting debut. Well, it's not your acting debut. I know you acted on TV, <laughs> but you starred in the, the the Samurai Avenger movie. Um, yeah, which we didn't even talk about. You did say you had black hair, and yeah, you did because you had <laughs> you had it in that movie. Um, uh, and it's just interesting to see like even that movie where it's like okay, like clearly you're like riffing off of like Zadowichi, Blind Swordman stuff, Samurai stuff, but it's in a way that I just don't like. I I do see a lot of like crazy like movies that are like in that vein from japan like you know but like there's something about your perspective that like kind of like separates it like um mm. and i'm just again like i'm interested in in people's perspectives more so than 
that's that's that for me that's the missing ingredient in a lot of a lot of stuff the mm. stuff that like i don't mind a movie i can accept movies and i can accept any work of art that has all sorts of like maybe like aspects to it that people would say or oh that's a little bit like rough or that's a little bit like i don't know like name the things that people pick out a nitpick about films if it if the, if, if the film or the piece of work has a perspective then it's like that's that's what it needs like because most times like i feel like i'm watching stuff that could have been made by anybody or mm. I'm, I'm i'm reading things that could have been written by anybody um mm. yeah like that's 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 what like i don't know that's just never been a thing that i feel is been appealing um to me just in general as someone who enjoys art like is like if you take away my perspective then what am i doing this for you know right. um and what am i doing this for i mean i might as well you might as well just go ahead and get ai just replace this with ai like because <laughs> right. I, I do really feel like we already have ai like before ai which is some of these some of our peers are you scare quotes they're ai already because they're literally right. making there's there's it's so much oversight and so much calculation uh, when it comes to like, I'm making this thing because this is what I'm supposed to make. And it's based on sort of the trends and what's gonna do well and what what's the audience and what's the market. All of these calculations that shouldn't be made upon making a thing, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Where, where yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know, Carando, I'm on my soapbox as usual. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. And I, you know, thankfully, you know, I, if, you know, if, if you feel like I have this unique perspective and uh, if that gives me an edge uh, as a filmmaker, that's great. You know, I, I really, I mean, yes, I do have unique uh, upbringing. You know, I, I grew up in Tokyo and uh, then uh, at age 17 alone without my parents, I, I came to, uh, I went to Fresno, California, the armpit of California. <laughs> yeah. And I I survived Fresno and I still, uh, I made a wonder, some, so many wonderful friends. And I mean, I, I was, I was from Tokyo, you know, it's like a New York of Japan. Then I went to Fresno, you know, it's like everything closed at 9 PM and it was all pitch black, you know, and, uh, it was a culture shock and um but i had that wonderful time uh there met so, so many great people teachers friends but you know so like I, I think my experience is one of the kind and uh if i can reflect that onto my work and uh you know fascinates you know my audience that's great that's that's exactly where i want to be and uh you know th thank you for um uh, seeing that and uh, i really appreciate that yeah, man, that's that's pretty much what what this podcast is about, man. It's definitely about, you know, people people laugh. I, I make I joke about my podcast name like all the time. Like I'll be like, yeah, I didn't quite think that out. Uh, but truthfully, I did. Um, uh, and here's why I was on. a I had a podcast previously with a, a co-host called Buzzkill. Uh, and I challenge people to do this. Type Buzzkill into Google. Type Buzzkill podcast into Google. Um, see what see what populates. See what comes up. Now go type okay. mutual aberration society into Google. Okay. It will it will it will pop up because no one has mm. put those three words together and <laughs> that no one's used right, that right. specific reference. So it's like regardless, it's already like built into like oh like it's such a unique title. Um, 
right. which actually has a meaning, which is, you know, like, you know, obviously it's a play on a phrase of mutual admiration society, but I threw in the aberration because it's about talking about those aberrations, those, 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 those things that are like outside the norm, those, those, right. and that would be it works of art perspectives, uh, in, 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 in the such, um, yeah. So I picked a good name. Contrary to what no, I like it. <laughs> contrary to what I say, I do think I, I do think I picked a good name uh, for that reason, if, if any. Um, but yeah, man, uh, it's. I feel like that's a good note to uh, to to wrap it up because you've been very generous with your time, Carando. Um, I would urge everyone to go watch uh, Maniac Driver one, but also uh, his new film when when we're able to see it. Um, I don't know if, if you even have any idea when that is but obviously it's going to be screened soon in australia um also yep. go check the back catalog start with gun woman because i do feel like gun woman is uh insane um in a great way uh it is a manga <laughs> like it, it is yes. a manga idea uh, uh, um right uh it, it has so many elements to it that like even like the first like this is one of those you know what I knew about Gun Woman a long time ago, and it was just one of those movies that I can't. I was like, maybe I'll watch that. Um, and when I finally did, I was like, why the fuck did I wait so long to watch this movie? <laughs> uh, and also, you know, uh, check out Karate Kill if you like, uh, if you if you just like to watch people get beat beat up. Watch our movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, anything else you want to plug, Carando? Uh, uh, the floor is yours because I always like to close my podcast by allowing my guests to sort of point people's eyes and you know in whatever direction you want them to so the floor is yours <laughs> thank you uh yeah no i um yeah i would love it if you guys can check out all my work uh, some of them are streaming on fulu um tubi or uh something uh it's it's everywhere i think uh, the maniac driver Unfortunately, had a uh, little bit of a smaller distribution uh, doing uh, handling the U.S., so it's only available on uh, Blu-ray. It's not currently streaming, but maybe that'll change soon. But uh, a great uh, it's Blu-ray. available a on great Blu-ray, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, we we worked hard on that. There's a, a good behind the scene in it. Mm. Good uh, pictures, uh, you know, behind the scene pictures. And it's available from Amazon or uh, my friend's uh, Diabolic DVD. Diabolic DVD, yeah, one of the best. Yeah, store. Best uh, yeah, they're they're amazing. Jesse's just a great guy. Mm -hmm. But uh, um, yeah, so you know, please pick it up and uh, please be on the lookout for uh, Lion Girl. Uh, I yes. think it will come out sometime later this year or early next year for US. Um, my you know Japanese studio Toei Video is already negotiating with the. Um, a few handful uh, American distributors, and I think they'll seal the deal sometime soon. So I might be able to have, you know, um, release date soon. But uh, if you if they can, you know, Google me or uh, something to follow me on my Twitter or Facebook, uh, I always update my my stuff uh, on my social media. So please, uh, please check them out. And Ryan, you know, this has been such a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, you're you have such an insight on Japanese culture and everything. Amazing. And, uh, you know, if uh, if you ever uh, come to visit L.A., please let me know. Let's. Oh, yeah, that's actually yeah. in person and we'll do lunch yeah. or dinner Most and definitely. we'll hang out. We will you definitely know? do that because, like, uh, usually when that's usually what I do when I'm in LA, I usually hit people up. Uh, it's been I don't know, last, last year, it was there a year ago, but yeah, I will definitely, 
I will definitely hit you yeah, up. Please, uh, I, I would love yeah. to uh, meet you in person. And I know you, you know, work on the scripts and stuff. Yeah. Maybe we can collaborate. You know, I mean, oh, this for is sure. Exciting, you know, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would, I would, I, that would be something I would be definitely interested in, um, in doing. Um, yeah. One of the things that I will say before I let before I let you go is, uh, I actually got into to screenwriting by default. Like I, I got into it because I wanted to direct. And it just so happened that like writing was something I could always do. Um, mm. And once, but guess what? When you start to, when you, when people find out that you can actually write a script, they tend to be like, Hey, come over here. And I just started like, you know, next thing I knew I had, a, I had a manager in LA and I started making money. That's great. And then I looked down the, I looked down the barrel of like the last few years. And I'm like, Oh, like I still need to make a movie. <laughs> so like, that is a big goal of mine is actually is to get a movie uh, uh, made that, actually i write and direct because right i didn't like i don't i mean like obviously you know you're a director right and you've you've, write, you've written your movies but like it sucks to just be a screenwriter <laughs> uh, um i mean it, it has moments where it's cool but like i didn't get into this to just to just write and just not like right you want like, to do you know, your own movie right but also like you know you unless you get great collaborators which i've had some good collaborators and some better than others but unless you have good collaborators, like a lot of times, especially when it comes to the budgets too, the but when the budgets get higher too, there's a tendency to like once once the once the machine goes and the green lights go, the screenwriter is like sort of kind of the guy who gets or our girl gets sort of like shoved to the side, depending upon your collaborators. You know, there are instances right. where like, you know, like no, the screenwriter's still there, they're still but a lot of times it's like, all right, bro, your job's done. Now it's time to, right. you know what I mean? And for me, it's like, right. no, no, I'm not done. <laughs> right. but yeah, man. Uh, thank you again. Uh, Mitsusaki-san. I, uh, uh, thank you so much. No, this has been a pleasure. Also, you know, I wanted to say one more thing, uh, you know, like this last six pictures I made, I made for Japanese money, Japanese companies, Japanese studios, but, uh, for you know, my kind of a new career direction is I really want to start working for American producers and American uh, studios. You know, that's that's I think I'm ready. You know, I did my, you know, Japanese studio movie with Lion Girl. I think I can spawn out to you know bigger, better things. So um, yeah, you know, I mean, if we can if we can collaborate to uh, make that happen, wonderful. Or if some of the listener wants to. Hire me or, you know, I don't know, you know, get me into the American <laughs> industry. Uh, the, I would love it. So just yeah. just I wanted to throw that out there that the, I I'm I want to enter my phase two of my directing career. I want to start yeah. working here in the States with this, you know, unique hybrid perspective, me being Japanese um, American person, I guess, mm -hmm. from Japan, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, if I can find a great uh, collaboration on that department, that would be wonderful, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm definitely like down to collaborate. It's just all for me. It's always been about like um, recognizing um, when someone has what I've been talking about, like that perspective, that unique sort of like when when I I, I like again like what that's what that's what attracts me to to, to certain filmmakers or certain artists is like oh like it's almost like you identify something like it's almost like oh like you yeah you're a part of the tribe. Like, like a lot right. of us, there's a lot of us, but there's not, you know what I mean? What I mean by that is yep. like, you, especially Hollywood and you live in LA, so you probably know what I'm talking about. What, but like, there's a lot of people that work in Hollywood, but they're actually not like part of the tribe. They look like they are, 
In fact, <laughs> they, you know what I mean? They look like they are, they yes. present and they're in the business and they make stuff, but they're not. It's very yeah. interesting. It's an, it's, yep. it's another topic for another episode, but I've probably already said this before, <laughs> but it's true though. Like it's not, yeah. there's not a lot of us. We can, we can smell our own though. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. And by and it's usually it's ironic because it's like it's not about what's similar, it's what's different. And it's like yeah. that's the that's the similarity, is it ironically is the difference. Like, oh, because you're different. You have a right. different way of looking at things, you have a different kind of approach. And like when you don't, that's when I'm like, hmm, like you're <laughs> exactly you're one of the pod people. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, so go watch Invasions of the Body Snatchers if you haven't. And uh, <laughs> uh that's that, that, that that that's the note I'll end it on. And as always, I do not know how to end podcasts. So uh cue whatever song is the outro song right here. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.